Here on Earth, we call this place town. A town is a place where everyone hates you. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 176, and I'm your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. Thank you so much for checking us out. Before we get started with the movie discussion tonight, let's go around and meet the fellow bros. We begin with the American hero, Nate Thurmond. Now, Nate, you helped talk me off a ledge earlier this week with regards to a leak that I found underneath my front yard. So, in your opinion, should we dig up the entire plot of land that my house is built on to see what the fuck the issue is? I mean, that's really the only reasonable thing I could think of. Like, you you don't want to go half-ass and just kind of like, oh, it may be here, maybe this. I don't know. You're not going to really know until you get balls deep into it. Ten feet down, maybe, at minimum. So... Um, I'll bring some shovels over later. I was gonna say, and I've been, you know, I've been looking for a reason to buy a pickaxe. So, yeah, one has presented Perfect. itself. Perfect timing. You bring the shovels, I'll bring the beer. Love it. I'm in. Actually, this might be a hard liquor job now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, probably a couple bottles. <laughs> Next, we go to our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli. Now, Ronnie, I know you like to keep Nate and I in the dark just to avoid us panicking. But shoot us straight. Currently, how many lawsuits have been filed against us in the month of February as a podcast? Well, we're averaging about seven a day, and I think we're, we're halfway through the month. So, yeah, we're looking at a healthy, you know, 108. That's horseshit. <laughs> the fuck is you know, people's problem? But it shows that we're alive, you know? <laughs> it shows that we're thriving. They hate us because they ain't us. You're right. People don't take shots at the guy at the bottom, you know? That is true. Well, they they actually do. There's plenty of times in human history where oppressed people have been shot at. Cycli just name okay. seventy. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll do that off, time off, got, off alphabetical was, order. Yeah. <laughs> name six more. Like okay, how how long can <laughs> I keep doing this? All right, here on the Bro Four Squad podcast, we begin every episode with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chess day. And today we're doing a. Uh, Something we've been doing more and more frequently, and that is a chest day du jour where each bro has brought a topic in the world of movies, TV, or entertainment that they want to discuss tonight. And Nate, since yours, I believe, is the only one that is currently a mystery to all of us, we have to peel back the curtain and start with you. What would you like to get off your chest tonight on episode 176 of the Bro 4 Squad podcast? It's really nothing too dramatic. Um, well... It's a pretty big deal. We'll we'll be the judge of that. Yeah, and as as we're getting on the pod, I know what Jeff's is, and his is much more broad. And as we're starting the pod, I'm like, there might be a little crossover with this, but mine is specifically one thing, and I hope there's not too much time that you're going to spend on this. Um, but Doctor Strange trailer that came out. Um, Let's do it. I mean there. There's just so much in this. Um, so I wanted to spend some time, bounce it off you guys, unpack some of the, the theories and and uh, and wild uh, wild ideas that are being thrown around the, the Twitterverse and, and intranets. So, um, I mean, this, I think, is just going to be another pinnacle of the Marvel Universe, kind of like Loki was, <clears throat> kind of breaking things wide open. Um, and there's just so much to unpack and you like watch this trailer and you're just looking for things in the background, all the Easter eggs and all that kind of shit. Um, but one, a couple of the things that I pulled from it and some of the things that are going around, um, 
strange. You see him at one point using some red or chaos magic in there. Yes. Kind of in, kind of interesting. Um, obviously, Wanda gets a lot of play in this trailer as well. Um, but that's typically been a type of magic that's been kind of exclusive to her. Um, but now we're kind of seeing him toy with it, play with it a little bit. And I, th- I think during the trailer at that time, he may have said, I did what I had to do at that point. So um, delving into him breaking <clears throat> everything, basically. So before we dive into all the different theories people have, um, and this to me shows the internet has reached a point where, I mean, this ship has sailed a while ago, but it's it's out of control. Like the things people will zoom in on on a simple mm-hmm. poster or screenshot, it's absolutely nuts. But and the the poster feeds this because it's a bunch of bro- broken glass with reflections in it. So what do you think we are going to do? I know. They're going to zoom so in on like, every single piece. The, the mouth breathers at home who like literally don't have jobs, and I mean that not as that's literally ninety nine percent of our audience. So. Sure, I mean, we I love know. the mouth breathers. They listen to us because they. <laughs> but i thank you for doing this research online so i don't have to i just don't have time to do it um one of the things i was wondering so spoilers for spider-man no way home if you haven't seen it so skip ahead like a minute and a half or two minutes cycling have you you've seen it right the new spider-man i know everything about it damn it okay never mind you know i'm like sick like that Okay, so you did. You have spoiled everything for yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, at the end of the, the movie, to send back Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield, uh, sorry, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, Strange has to cast the spell where he even forgets who Peter Parker is. So I guess, Nate, my question for you, and I just thought of this the other day, when Doctor Strange 2 begins, because Doctor Strange doesn't remember Peter Parker, when Mordo and all these people start accusing him of ripping open the multiverse, is he like, what the fuck are you talking about? I didn't do that. Like, he has no memory of it. I'm confused, like, what he remembers. I I was actually talking to Banner about this after I saw Spider-Man, like, a month ago. Um, Because there's some continuity things that I just can't wrap my head around at the end of Spider-Man. Like, people forgetting, but, like, how did MJ and, I can't, who's his friend? I can't remember his friend's name. Ned? Yeah. Like, whenever, like, everything went back and they snapped or whatever, like, did they, they just like transport somewhere? Like how did how did Peter get where he was going? Like how did yeah. everything transpire? Because it doesn't really show that. It's just like, oh, here's everything. I don't know if like people are like jumping all over the place, but yeah, I don't know how that's gonna tie in. I'll be interested to see how they um how they explain that part for sure. Yeah. All right, now on to some of the theories. Yeah. I guess uh Cycling, have you seen the full trailer online? Oh yeah, I've I've read the uh Reddit. Like, breakdown of the whole trailer, too. Okay, nice. So I think the biggest one that I want to talk about first would be uh, Patrick Stewart is returning as, assume it, he has to be Charles Xavier, right? They're not going to pull a Ralph Boner on us again, right? No, it could be the uh, Captain, uh, oh my gosh, what's the Trek name? Picard, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like 99% sure. I mean, whenever you heard that voice on the trailer, I mean, it doesn't show his face or anything, but... I think the subtitle said like mysterious voice or something, but yeah, like no one knows what he sounds you can, like. You know, bald head guy rolls <laughs> forward. Come on. So I'm assuming he will be just another Professor Xavier from the multiverse, not because spoiler alert in X Men: The Last Stand, Charles Xavier, played by Patrick Stewart, dies at the hands of Phoenix. So I'm assuming he'll just be another variant across the multiverse. And of course, they're bringing Sir Patrick Stewart back because we fucking love him. Yes. Forming the Illuminati. 
Yes, and yeah, that was one of the things I was going to talk about. Well, just mention briefly because it's from the comic books, I guess, and I don't know too much about that. But yeah, the Illuminati with him and Strange and some other people um, formed this in the comic book. So it's it's pretty apparent that's what it is. And kind of that council that's sitting up there when he walks in handcuffed. With the Ultron bots, which with the Ultron bots, yep. So one of my favorite rumors is uh, different iterations of MCU characters played by actors that were originally rumored to get the roles. Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise showing up in this as Iron Man because he was originally going to play Iron Man, then he got hurt on the set of Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, and John Krasinski uh, showing up as Captain America, who lost out on the role to Chris Evans. That'd be insane, and I would love it. I think it would be super fucking cool. Um, but yeah, a, a little um, deeper dive into some of the Wanda stuff because she, she gets a lot of screen time in, in the trailer. <clears throat> um, possible zombie Wanda in there? I I, I can't tell if that's we're getting what it zombie is. like everybody. I think, right? or she just looks rough. Yeah, you get that a little bit with Strange as well. So maybe a little nod um, to the What If series um, with where there's zombie episode. Um, but that's kind of what it looks like. Maybe a little zombie Wanda and some other people. Um, but then um, there's also another part in the trailer where Wanda is fighting someone. We can't really see who it is. There's a ton of theories out there about that. Maybe it's Monica Rambo. Maybe it's uh, Maria Rambo. Maybe it's Dark Phoenix because there is a still shot of like fire exploding and it kind of like, looks like in the shape of a phoenix. So maybe yeah. a Sophie Turner appearance. Jesus Christ. I'm in maybe for all of it. She'll make yeah she'll she'll make up for her other um, role reprisal. So Ryan Reynolds posted and deleted a uh, picture of him suiting up as Deadpool at Pinewood Studios in London, England, where Doctor Strange is currently filming additional. That Sly Fox him. So uh, this I mean this has to be how Deadpool comes into the MCU, right? The multiverse rips mm-hmm. open, and he makes some joke about like Fox selling the rights of him to Disney. Yeah, yeah. Man, that would, Deadpool making an appearance would be would be pretty next level. And uh, things that I want, like across the Foxverse, I even want like a Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider appearance. <laughs> that would, you're you're sick. <laughs> I need help. That's just too much. <laughs> um, I mean, if you think about it. There's no way Nicolas Cage doesn't answer that phone call. No, he'll he'll pick up. He's not worried. It's like a, to light my head. He's like, I actually want to light my head on fire for the role. Like, but Nicholas, there's really no need. No. No, but it makes me act better. I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, you're right. I killed myself. Sorry. Um, so two last things um, with Wanda um, that kind of tie in together, actually. So um, the teaser that was released whenever it was, a couple weeks ago or a month ago, whenever. Um, or no, it's actually the ending of uh spider-man sorry it was the yeah. after after credit scene um wanda and strange have a conversation in an orchard um there is a kind of paralleled scene in the trailer but they're not in that orchard anymore but the, it kind of has the same shots of them and everything yeah. um lending to maybe her orchard being another augmented reality just like in wandavision just like westfield yeah west yeah just like westview which sorry, brings yeah. us to the other part of it you actually do get to see one of the houses in Westview, and she you do. is she sees herself. I don't know if it's um, her making herself up, or if it is someone else from another uh, somewhere in the multiverse. So, kind of have some mystery there, but exciting seeing them interact. I do think, based on this trailer, two things I can 
probably assert with a little bit more confidence. Wanda is maybe not even just an anti-hero in this. She might be the straight-up villain of the movie because Mordo is either, I think, could either be a variant of himself or he's just someone who kind of like sets off the the action of Strange going through the multiverse. And two, this might be the first Marvel movie that you actually need to have seen one of the Marvel shows to fully understand because it seems like the events of WandaVision, she even mm-hmm. references Vision in the trailer. Yeah. Um, and I think her, like, Billy and Tommy, her manifestation of them is what is really going to set her off on this quest or whatever uh, sort of misguided mission she thinks she's on is in her pursuit of those two kids that she had or believes that she had. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think this probably is the first one that you'll need to see at least one, if not two, Loki and WandaVision to kind of understand some of the events um, because you get a lot of Loki vibes when they're flying around the multiverse and um, the first building that you see in in the trailer and then them opening the door while they're spinning out through space kind of gives those same vibes of um, where Loki uh, ended up in the in the final episode talking to uh, Jonathan Majors. And let me just say this. If Marvel wants to make up or apologize to me for the Ralph Boner gag <laughs> that they had with Evan Peters in WandaVision, yeah. give me like a buttload of cameos in this and that will make up for it. And cyclically, it has been rumored as well, especially because Sam Raimi directed the movie, that Tobey Maguire is appearing in the film. I, I honestly, again, I'm not as into these movies as you guys are, but I do love the entertainment value. But I don't think I've seen a trailer that has caused such, like, you know, gossip and conversation, right? Like, people, I, yeah. I mean, it blew up because it's they're, like, one. put all these teasers in there. It's a big one. For sure. And I definitely feel like they're still keeping, like, the biggest uh, cards close to the vest on this one. Like, there was Which nothing is wild. in there about vision so there's still potential to see white vision come back or vision come back in some capacity so uh, yeah you know, that, i was still surprised i think white vision would be a character that they just like forgot that they created basically and we're like oh, oh. shit he just flew off and we forgot about him <laughs> oh game of thrones rider style <laughs> yeah bingo we forgot about that <laughs> you guys remembered <laughs> um but yeah, that was my chest day. Um, thought we needed that. That was a trailer that deserved a lot of unpacking. So there yes, it is. definitely. I think it is the one that came out on the Super Bowl. I mean, there were a lot. I know Jeff, we're going to get into that, but that did have the most theories that spiraled off from it. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But you know, it just it it showed enough compared to some others that were just like trying to just titillate us. Mm-hmm. I mean, the next this comes out what early May, May sixth, May sixth, yeah. Yeah, I think so. So how many times do I have to see the Batman uh, between March 4th and May 6th to just hold myself over from going crazy? Once or twice a day? Probably. Yeah, yeah a day. <laughs> Probably. Well, we did see Dark Knight twice in a day, so. Twice in 24 hours, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at midnight and we went at like four the next day. We're disgusting. <laughs> nice. We were like, we, we took our parents. We were super sweet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's nice. I was like, I got to make sure that movie was as fucking awesome as we thought it was. And then we walked out of the theater. Checks like, out. Yeah. yeah. Solid. All right, Cycli, what uh, what do you need to get off your chest for chest? Yeah, day? so we got some big news last week. Um, Futurama is making its third or arguably fourth comeback. Um, and as someone, you might have heard me on the podcast talk about it, like Futurama is probably one of my top shows of all time. It's definitely in the top five. 
Um, one of my dogs is named after a character in the show. Um, and there, there's just a profound love that Futurama does what so many, not just not just animated shows do, but just in general comedies can do. Because um, it's brilliantly, brilliantly written. You can watch the episodes and you can tell they're written by, you know, people with PhDs in mathematics and, and physics. But at the same time, it could be the stupid humor you get in The Simpsons or Family Guy. It's and then smart you have the episodes. Dumb, which I like. It's, start, it's smart and it's dumb. And then they have the ability to also just, just make you want to cry more than any other show outside of probably Scrubs that's based on a comedy. And Scrubs so can get so away with it. you're saying people who wrote Simpsons are dumb, is what you're saying. Yeah, except for Conan O'Brien. That's what I got. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, so, I mean, Scrubs, you could get away with getting emotional because it's in a hospital that's bound to have sad moments. Futurama has no right to be as emotional as it is. I mean, the internet knows every single episode that will make you cry. And the most famous of one is the dog episode if you haven't seen it and you feel like wanting to cry a little <laughs> go find it online um but anyway the whole point is the, the show has endeared just like you know its first run on fox um it got canceled just like family guy did this kind of the same time where fox really wasn't committing to these shows and then they kind of made some movies they made four movies and the movies kind of brought into a whole go ahead go ahead I was going to ask, are they, I know canon is a loose term to use with a show like Futurama and The Simpsons and Family Guy. Are the movies in canon, if that makes sense, or are they just basically like one-off stories? As much as Futurama is probably, is, again, in terms of animated shows, is the most canon-based. Like, they they have a lot of continuity. Not much. I mean, you can. It's a, it's a sitcom about it. Year three thousand, um, but but comparably to again, Futurama and Simpsons or you know whatever animated comedy we want to talk about, it it has references to previous episodes and the movies. You know, and South the, Park kind of does a good job of that too. They have a little bit of canon. Yeah, yeah, they'll have mm -hmm. some references to. I mean, I think it's easier for South Park now because they've kind of just become a social commentary on, you know, on modern society. But yeah. Um, but the movies, I guess, so I didn't even come to my love for Futurama until uh, college. I didn't know about I was a big Simpsons fan, at least the you know, first 10 seasons of The Simpsons. I never really gave Futurama a chance, and I found out there was this like huge underground following. I was like, well, it had gotten canceled. How could it have been? Right. Um, and I found out about the movies. I watched the movies. I thought they were incredible. Went back and watched the original run. And around the same time, that's when Comedy Central picked up the second run, or third, you know, however we want to talk about it. So that lasted four, four more years. And gets canceled again, but arguably not really canceled, more so it ended appropriately. Now, Futurama's had three endings, three assumed endings of the show. And unlike most shows, whether animated comedy or drama, all three endings have been just unbelievable. And, yeah, and that's right. not a controversial, yeah, it's not a controversial statement. If you're a Futurama fan, I mean, they are incredibly well written. So now, uh, 10 years later, we got the news that it's coming back again. And of course I'm excited. Um, you know, I, I'm thrilled because it's one of my favorite shows but at the same time. And we've talked mm -hmm. about it on pod and I kind of want to throw this back at you guys. How are we feeling about something that you love that probably, you know, fizzled off in the right way and they bring it back. This isn't the only time they're doing this. We've all watched shows and movies that are doing this. 
I'm kind of torn on how I feel about this again because it is one of my favorite shows. I'm going to watch it. But how do you guys feel in general about like when this happens to something that you're, you know, you love? Yeah, it's a uh, it's kind of <clears throat> a gray area <clears throat> because we've seen it not done well in the past. Um, now, with that being said, are are the original writers and creators and all that coming back for this? That's the big question. So we don't know about the writers. We know about the cast, except for John DiMaggio, who's who's Bender. Um, and he is still in contract negotiations that well, may not be going well. I was going to say, can I read you what hap- what broke yesterday according yes. to the deadline? Yeah. So John DiMaggio says here, and again, this could all change and this could be a negotiating tactic, but he will not be returning. And as he, he alleges he has already been recast as Bender saying, quote, it's it's about self-respect. And this is what Deadline wrote. DiMaggio had received an offer in line with that for fellow leads Billy West, who plays Fry, and Katie Seagal, who plays Leela, uh, who, after a back and forth, agreed to a deal, while DiMaggio felt the proposal was not competitive based on the success and name recognition of the original series. He countered after which the negotiations stalled and the revival was announced without him, with the Bender role being recast. DiMaggio said on Twitter, quote, Bender is part of my soul and nothing about this is supposed to be disrespectful to the fans or my Futurama family. Hashtag Bendergate. It's about self-respect and honestly being tired of an industry that's become far too corporate and takes advantage of artists' time and talent, end quote. Yeah. Yeah. That's the next thing I was going to get into after, because <laughs> this is big. This is this is major. And, and to Nate, your point, like, yeah, we... Billy West now I'll tell he is he voices like 12 characters. I mean so the yeah, guy like he's if integral anything to the show, yeah. He should get paid the most. I mean whatever, but um Bender is arguably the best character. I mean he is he is the the fucking comedy soul of the show. Um I can't imagine anyone doing it. So I don't know how that feels. I'm still confident and hopeful that like the reaction it's gotten online is going to bring him back. But Nate, to your point, if you're not having the original cast, even if it's just one guy who plays such an iconic role. Yeah. Okay. Let's me tell, tell me we don't get the writers back. All of a sudden I'm going to, I'm like, what are we then doing? Is it here? even the same show is what you have to yeah. ask. Right. Is it just Matt Groening? Like being like, Hey, yeah, let's bring it back. And, and Billy Westman, like, okay, cool. I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> so, that's tough. I, I'm wondering how much they quote unquote lowballed him for him to feel that way. Because to be honest, like I'm not discrediting voice acting work; it's incredibly hard to do. But as, in terms of the time that it takes, there it's irrefutable that it is much less than like a live action role. So he probably could have knocked out his whole season in a weekend and made he, three million dollars. From what I know, is it was the exact same offer as Kate Siegel and 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 Billy West. But he's, according to him, he's saying, no, we all should get more, which is, I mean, fine. <laughs> like, I mean, sure, every, I'm down for them getting paid. Um, but, you know, you don't really know what's going on in these deals. But um, I, I just feel like in general, that, that that's either a Hulu, like, releasing the statement. I think that's the negotiation tactic. Obviously, this isn't coming out for probably another year and a half to two years. So there yeah. is time. They're, they're, well, and you know, dude, voice he could record his lines like three weeks before they release it. Exactly. It, you know. Exactly. So I'm hopeful. I'm confident. There's you just can't have the show with Bender without Joe DiMaggio being his voice. So, uh, but yeah, like even if you have everyone, like we just talked about this with the Matrix, or 
you, does it t- okay here's a, another question if you watch something that has come back and it it sucks like let's say matrix or something does it taint how you felt about the original does it make you feel like it insulted it to it doesn't feel the same or do you go back and let's say watch the original matrix you're like no 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 on its own i i can ignore everything else i don't think it taints the original but it definitely makes it it changes the memory of it. And I guess I would ask this too. Is there an, an example of this? And I'm not asking this to be a dick. I really don't know of something coming back after such a long period of time and it actually working. Cause the two recent ones I think of are Dexter and the matrix, which to maybe to varying degrees didn't work and in varying ways. But I also think of like comedies like dumb and dumber, mm-hmm. like just taking, you know, Anchorman over two. Right, over, over a decade, Zoolander two to do another iteration of itself, and it's just like it's, it's sometimes it's painful. It's like watching like a, an athlete come back, and you're like, dude, no, like you're not what you want. Just let it be dead. Yeah, like it, you'll always have it in your heart. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, a good example of that, um, which I loved at the beginning, uh, was Arrested Development. Um, mm-hmm. first three seasons, amazing. They try to make a reprisal 2013. I watched it, wasn't a huge fan. Did they it feel like this... the same show or no? Not no, to me, not at all. No, the way they did the 2013 season, it was, it was like, it was one instance, maybe over like a day or two, but it was like one instance, but it was shot from everyone else's point of view. It just, I don't, it didn't work. Well, do you know, remember the reason was they couldn't, they, their schedules conflicted, so they yeah. couldn't be on set at the same time. I'm like, so then wait until it's so, time. Like, don't do it because it was sloppy. <clears throat> and then season five, 2018, I didn't, I haven't even seen that. So I did I watch it. It, it, it did bring them all together i'll say that uh, do we at least get it, them in the same room like Jesus. we do yeah <laughs> it concludes at least i i didn't hate it um they also went back and refixed season four nate i don't know if you know that they oh, really like, re-edited it so if you go on netflix you can choose the one that's it told like the original run which was told by a character's story every episode or the one that blends their stories together so it feels more oh, did it help at all it helped, but it also felt you could tell it was, you know, edited strangely. Yeah, I've gone back and watched season one through three a couple of times. Um, yeah, which are it doesn't amazing. taint it at all. Um, and I'd kind of just have it in my mind as its own standalone project. Um, and it's still amazing. Yeah, I think I think I can agree with that. I think um, like Simpsons is a perfect example. I mean, it's on episode like season what thirty four. Yeah, and yeah. and I can't watch it, but. You know what? The first eight seasons, nine seasons are arguably some of the best on TV in, in just bar- any kind of genre. So I, I, I think there is a way to differentiate it. But at the same time, you like want to honor the legacy, because to me, Futurama from the beginning till the end, which, you know, the very end is a better package show than, like you said, with like Arrested Development or Simpsons, because for the whole run or multiple runs, it did have that genuine, like good writing and it didn't overwork if we didn't get sick of it. So I feel like, yeah, is Simpsons more iconic? Absolutely. But Futurama has more heart in it. Um, so I don't know. I'm torn. I'm excited. I'm nervous. The, the Futurama boards, the Futurama Reddit has been really funny because we're all conflicted, but excited and scared. I don't know. So I guess the last thing I would ask is, 
it, it depends on their plan too. Like you're assuming you'd take an IP like this if you're Hulu and you bring it back because there is a built-in audience for it. So they're the question is this is I'm assuming made to please the fans like you, like the diehards of the show that have uh, been, you know, sticking with it through its multiple cancellations and things like that. So they must feel that there's enough people there that would go back and rewatch it. So that has to be who you're writing this to please, right? Like to do anything different or to try to go for a new type of audience would seem like a fool's errand, wouldn't it? Well, but isn't that the the people that are going to be the hardest to please? I agree. That's why it almost seems yeah. like a, a catch 22. The without, I mean, it's not, you don't need to spoil an ending for, for a sitcom uh, animated sitcom, but the ending of Futurama ends in a way where, Fry and Lila grow old together and, and they're, it's the end of their lives and there's this loop they realize they can basically enter this portal where they can go back to their normal life when they're like 20 years old and, and they've lived this life and they're like, do we want to you know run it back basically? And then they hold hands and they walk through the portal and the idea is that you restart the show right there, right? Like that's a, the, the, mm. the whole show is a circle. Like they just keep really living their lives and and then they end together and they come back. So like that's why it's such an iconic show. So like, how are they going to write this into it? So do you it think too? it ends with them like still going through the portal? Something weird happens. That I feel like they would have to because the one thing they did when the, with the movies ending and then the re the reboot or whatever you want to call it, they worked that in into the next run. So I would have to, but we'll see. I'll maybe be excited. That, I'll definitely watch it. Maybe that could explain the change in Bender's voice. If there's a yeah. character, it's easy to explain. It's a robot. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, his voice South, is everything. South Park, uh, when she, Isaac Hayes said he wasn't coming back, <laughs> had like a fun. They had fun with that. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. but I, I would say Futurama relies on Bender more than South Park did on Chef. For sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. But again, this could all just be them airing their dirty laundry to try and get more money. Because if you're John DiMaggio, you have to assume... You come out with this statement, fans are going to rally behind you, and now yeah. this Hulu looks like the bad guy if they don't open up their wallets. My prediction, my last thing I'll say about this, my prediction is he does come back right? when this is said and done. Now, we'll, in a year from, year and a half from now, or two years, you know, could be eating crow, but that's that's my guess. All right. I hope so, too, but at the same time, if he's asking for more money than uh, Billy West and Katie Seagal got, like, I don't, I mean, come on, dude. Yeah, that's that's the question. Maybe they'll have to get more money too. So, but then we'll if see. I'm Hulu, I'm like, they this was fair pay to them. Like, I, I don't understand the right. Problem. They should have talked, but that doesn't always happen with employees. No. Uh, all right. Well, last thing I had for chest steak, piggybacking off of what Nate brought up, the Doctor Strange trailer for the Super Bowl. Obviously, a big part of the Super Bowl now is the commercials and specifically the movie trailers that are going to drop. So, I want to play a little rapid fire game with you guys, where I'm going to name a movie trailer. And you tell me your anticipation level for this. We'll say on like a scale of one to five, five being like you would murder anyone in front of you to go see it. One being like, I could not give a fuck less about this movie. And then I actually have three movies that I was kind of surprised slash disappointed we didn't get a trailer for. Actually two and then one of them is like a joke. All right, so I'll name the movie. And the trailer, and then we give me your anticipation level one to five. Uh, Jordan Peele's Nope, which uh, was uh, is on a lot of our most anticipated lists. So maybe this, tr- they could have not had a trailer at all, or just subliminally put Nope, 
July 22nd. <laughs> we still would have been sold. Nate, what did you think of the trailer and how pumped are you for this movie or not at all? So I'm I'm torn on this not being a horror genre fan, but I love Jordan Peele and what he's doing and the mystery behind this trailer and the uh, ambiguousness of that trailer, just like maybe, I don't know what you, you would call it, uh, the poster that was already out or just the s- still shot. Mm-hmm. Um, God, it intrigues me so much. And that's saying a lot. Like I said, I I haven't seen um, Us because I know that's kind of freaky and not up my alley. Saw Get Out, loved it. Um, that was within my realm of horror. I wouldn't even call that horror. It's just thriller. Um, so this is probably peaking like a, a 7 out of 10 on me, which is kind of high to uh, considering what it is but the scale i, I gave you was one to five guys. when he said seven i was like damn it's going oh wait you said one to five, five. yes i mean like, we can go oh. i was just kidding so if you divide by two okay don't we got a 3.5 yeah. he's like yeah. do simple math you fucking idiot 3.72 wait hold on let's go on a scale of 67 okay yeah that's good <laughs> that's actually if brian were here that actually he would be insistent upon it <laughs> Yeah, you know, all right, let me figure this out. Uh, let me ask this question before I turn it over to Cycli. Is there, because I was thinking about this in the car, Nolan was, like, he's kind of had a few, I don't want to say misses, but, like, Tenet and Dunkirk, I was just kind of like, oh, interesting, I don't really get it. Is there another director right now that is on, because Jordan Peele, to me, his films are, like, event films. Like, you just tell me the date, and I can know nothing else, and I'm going to be excited about it. Like, is there anyone else right now that's like that for you guys as a director? Nate, you can go first. Um, probably, probably not. I'm like maybe to, Tarantino. I don't. I'm trying to think. Maybe. Um. I mean. I mean that that's a good example. He's kind of. He's not putting out a, a ton of films right now, but he he would definitely be one that is up there for sure. I'm trying to think. Yeah, there's not really anyone else out there for me like that. Yeah. How about you, Cycli? Yeah, I mean, Tarantino, definitely, because he does, he's notorious for doing a movie every five, six years, if that. Um, I mean, Jordan Peele has, you know, it's like what happened to M. Night Shyamalan, right? Like, what he did with uh, Unbreakable and and Sixth Sense at the time, everyone was in on him, and then it fiddled out after a while. You know, we can talk about M. Night, how we feel about him, but in general, that was the vibe we got. Like, all right, he's earned our trust, and it took a while. People waited three or four movies to be like, okay, dude, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. Um, so, I'm, you know, with us and Get Out, I'm like, all right, Jordan Peele has my full attention until he you know, I think he would have to fail multiple times. He's got, yeah, you have, he's, he has to have like a couple fuck ups. Yeah. I, and I think my other one would be Ari Aster. So the oh, guy yeah, who yeah. did Hereditary sure. and Midsummer, which they're a, kind of like Jordan Peele, where, where Hereditary is more, I mean, traditional horror and Midsummer is not really scary, to be honest. It's just fucked up. So, you know, like get out. So it's funny that I, I never really put their parallels together. Um, that they have kind of two movies that are iconic and only two movies and they're both kind of, uh, you know, similar, similar, similar style. So I think probably just Ari Aster right now. Speaking of Ari Aster, he has an A24 horror movie coming out this year called Disappointment Boulevard. Yeah. And I don't think we know anything about it either. 
no, I think we prefer it that way. So, sorry, real quick, Cycle, your anticipation level after seeing the trailer? Yeah, it's it's going to be a five. I, yeah. I mean, not necessarily because I think the movie is going to be, you know, a get out, but just because I, you know, I've said this a thousand times, even if it disappoints me, I love originality and we don't get a lot of originality anymore. Right. Um, and so I will appreciate a film for at least trying something. And I know Jordan Peele is, is trying something different. Yeah, definitely. All right, we talked about it to death, but uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Now, the real like trailer that Nate was referring to was the full-length one released online. I actually think the teaser trailer, the Super Bowl trailer, didn't really do much for me. It just told me to go online, which I was going to do anyway and watch the movie. So I'll say the trailer for me, uh, the Super Bowl one, was like a 2 out of 5. But again, my anticipation for Doctor Strange is a 5 out of 5, full-on boner at this point. Cycling, how about you? Yeah, I'd probably put it at a three or be, not, not because um, I don't think it's going to be amazing, but just where I stand on the Marvel movies, which again, which I usually I've watched almost all of them, but almost after they come out on video. So, um, you know, I've done so getting the VHSs. Hell yeah. Going to Blockbuster. You know, <laughs> I, I fly all the way to Oregon just to that last Blockbuster to rent the movie. No, because I, I, I do love the Marvel movies. I've just never been. Um, you know, especially with after COVID happened, like when I go to the theater, it's like once every couple months now. So, um, I, I definitely think it's going to be great. I, I just think I'll probably watch it the first moment I get when it streams. Very fair. Nate, how about you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's all the way out of five. I mean, it's just everything, everything coming to a culmination and it's been so anticipated for so long. All all the rumors are running wild. Um, some of them through the trailer proven to be true or seemingly true. Um, and it's just bringing so many things together. Um, like you said earlier, I think it's a good example that this may be the first instance where you have to have watched one and or two um, of the series that came out to, to fully appreciate or understand what's going on in this. Um, I'm sure you can still enjoy the movie without seeing it. Um, but you're going to get so much more if you've seen all the installments and uh, WandaVision and Loki. Yeah, it's a really interesting time. And I think proves that their connectivity across the shows and movies is legit. Like it's not just lip service. Yeah, that they've given us. Absolutely. All right. So DC, uh, they pulled like the cost saving move, the coupon cutting version of buying a Super Bowl trailer where they put all of their movies for this year in one Super Bowl spot. Um, basically Black Adam, The Flash, I, Aquaman, I don't think the Batman was in there. Yeah, because uh, that's the one you don't want to advertise. Right. But they put all three of their movies in like a 15 second spot and showed them briefly. Uh, my anticipation level for The Flash is at like a two and a half, three out of five. I don't care at all about Black Adam and Aquaman. And I thought the trailer was kind of, didn't really show anything. So I'll say trailer two. Movies combined, we'll say a three. Nate, how about you? <clears throat> yeah, um, I mean, I kind of mirror exactly what you were saying. Um, Black Adam, Aquaman, don't really move the needle much for me. Um, looking forward to Flash. Yeah, probably two and a half. Um, but yeah, just a interesting amalgamation of trying to put everything together and throw it out there. Those cheap bastards. Um, <laughs> but I mean, Marvel has so much coming out this year. It's tough to get excited on on the other front so all yeah. my attention is going to marvel this year cycling how about you yeah i mean it's almost 
thank God for that they ha- DC that they have Batman coming out, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, which it, could still have, end up being the best superhero movie of the year. I mean, I hope. I mean, I, I watched the they did you know, they released the funeral funeral scene. Um, like yeah, I'm trying to scene. avoid. I saw that. I was trying to avoid it. Just, I, I will say I did watch the Dark Knight. You remember when Dark Knight, like six months before it came out, they released the bank heist scene. Like yeah. it, it kind of made me feel like getting hyped up for it. So I didn't, you know, it didn't really spoil too much. But um, yeah, I, I black Adam. I feel like at least I'm intrigued because it's t- different to me. I, I the Flash and, and Aquaman. I've never really, I can't no, not not the biggest superhero. Batman's always been my favorite, but I mean Marvel takes over right after that. So. I would probably say two and a half to three, just out of intrigue. Black Adam, The Rock shows up. I'm not really that interested. Pierce Brosnan shows up, and I perk up a little bit. Okay, tell me more. This one, I think, this next trailer was actually the sleeper of the Super Bowl. And I don't even rem- And Nate was over at my house for the game. I don't even remember seeing this during the game. I've since watched it online. But uh, allegedly, there was a Lightyear trailer. That we got the the Buzz Lightyear Pixar movie. Ooh, so I trailer, trailer. I have <laughs> to go in and an N A because I missed it. Anticipation for the movie after seeing. Oh, it. we're being honest. If we saw the trailer during Super Bowl, <laughs> I was pretty <laughs> locked in. I mean, I made sure to piss during the actual game. Yeah, why would you watch the football game? Right, hmm. I'll go four for the movie though. Four out of five. I'm digging the vibe here. It has a. It has a, a, a more like serious tone, I feel like, than a lot of Pixar movies, where it's like the man stranded on a planet trying to get off, and it seems like more of a character piece. And I'm interested to see what they do with it. So I'll go trailer NA because I don't fucking remember seeing it live. <laughs> movie four, Cycle. How about you for Lightyear? I'll be honest with you, I'm not. I did. I've seen it. Um, I'm at a two. I, I don't. I don't need this movie. I don't think this That's movie. Fair. Would be... I, I just, I'm not saying the movie won't be good. It's Pixar. Like they, they, they can pull it out of their ass and they'll make a good movie. It's fine. But I just don't feel like this movie needed to be made. I don't have a lot of excitement for it. Um, I just don't have a lot of anticipation for it. Um, Pixar's always been best when they come out with something unique every time. Um, not saying that their sequels, especially Toy Story, have been just amazing. But their random ones that come off like this, I just. I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure it will be fine, uh, but I can honestly say I'm not that excited. That's fair. Nate, how about you? Uh, yeah, I'm probably like a four on this one. I mean, you get a lot of nostalgia with this, so um, this one's this one's uh, moving the needle for me, and I'm pretty excited. Um, I'm seeing Tika Watiti is cast in this. I don't yeah, know his role yet. It was like a late lead. edition, apparently. Like he, hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, it's voice at work again, so maybe he replaced someone else. I'm not sure. Maybe, but yeah, I honestly don't. I've I've seen, I've seen some clips of this somewhere, maybe just some still shots that I'm remembering. But yeah, I don't. I honestly do not remember seeing the trailer during the Super Bowl. Uh, me and Horns must have been giving each other hand skis in the bathroom or something. Yeah. So the only notice. other thing you did it was watch the Super Bowl or give each other hand skis. Yeah. Yeah. No other time you could have. Unlike any other. I just appreciate your honesty. That's it. All right, this one, the Michael Bay film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Yaya Abdul-Mateen, Ambulance. So this might surprise you. I'm going to go trailer five, love the trailer, movie anticipation one. Yeah. I will see this movie, and I am a Michael Bay apologist. Um, I will be hammered drunk, and I fully expect it to just be a bunch of crane shots that I love. 
he always comes up with a good trailer. Uh, and I appreciate that he's doing something kind of gritty and unique here. But it's not a movie that – the trailer was awesome. Does it make me more excited for the film? No, it really didn't change anything at all. Nate, how about you? Wow. I remember watching this trailer and seeing your excitement. So I would have assumed – I love the well, that was yeah. of the, I know. That was because of the hand ski. This – yeah. What was that? Huh? It was before the hand ski. Pre- no, I think post. it was during. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm so, it makes sense now. But I would I would have guessed you still would have been way more excited for the movie because I know you did enjoy the trailer. And I did too. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping – I can't stand it when it's way over the top with Michael Bay. So we'll see. Um, got, about a, got a little bit of grittiness like Jake Gyllenhaal in The Guilty. So um, that kind of got me going on that. Obviously, much more action and explosions in, in this one than The Guilty. Uh, being set primarily in one scene. Um, but uh, I would say, yeah, trailer five, I think it was really well done. And then, yeah, movie, I'd still say four. I think I think this has nice. a lot of potential. All right. I like it. Cycle, how about you? Yeah, I'm with completely with you, Horns. Like, but zero, like, I'll put it at one excitement for the actual movie. Like, <laughs> I, I will probably only watch this if it's, you know, comes out on HBO or on Netflix or something pretty early on. But it's a Michael Bay movie, which is probably why I won't watch it until unless I'm forced to. But of course, the trailer is good. Like, of course it is. I mean, there's no Michael Bay is literally made to make three minute snippets of a film like that should be. (laughs) He was probably got A's in in, in college and film school when he those were his projects. Like, hey, I'm going to make a trailer for an idea of a movie. Um, Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal does intrigue me because I am a fan of his. But. I, I don't know. I mean, if everyone's telling me it's really good, I might give it a chance, but no one I, I will not be saying that. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Really so I, I, I agree. Good trailer. Uh, no, I, again, if all the movies I'm going to go and actually make an effort to see, that's not there. That's fair. All right. Last one that I have, and I know there were others, but these are the main ones I want to talk about. Jurassic World Dominion. Now we got, I feel like they actually gave us a full length trailer online before the super bowl maybe i'm remembering the timeline incorrectly so that is more like what i was thinking of when we went into the game um but nate what did you think of the jurassic world dominion both the trailer and then your anticipation for the movie out of five um i'm gonna go four on both um just in general i don't know why but Across the board, sequels always kind of lose luster with me. I don't know why that is. I maybe have a weird chromosome um, that no one else does, but um, <laughs> I would love to see that chromosome—the anti-sequel chromosome. Yeah. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. You see it here on the Punnett Square. Like, there's a ton of se- like good sequels out there that I've never seen. Um, so, but a forum both. I mean, bringing back some of the originals. I mean. I mean, they're catering to their audience. They know they know what age people were when they first saw it in the 90s. They know what they're at now. They're like, okay, we're going to pull in this big crowd of people now. And it's working because once you saw them on screen, um, it was amazing. And then you got the new cast in there as well with uh, Bryce Dallas uh, Howard and uh, Chris Pratt. So I'm super pumped. Yeah. Cycle, how about you? Yeah. I mean, okay. What they – I'm kind of torn – what they have on me is bringing about the OG cast. I, I love that. I mean, that's going to be awesome, especially because they're, you know, this is supposedly the conclusion. 
Um, I do love They're that. That's me. It is now. We've seen this before, but... right? So I mean, again, I talked about Futurama for ten minutes. Like they've said that multiple times. It just won't stay dead, right? Like, um, I, okay. Look, if you're actually breaking down the franchise, and and Banner, I know will have a thousand things to say. <laughs> the trailer doesn't make sense to me because the last movie ended like, and all of a sudden now humanity is at risk, and now dinosaurs are running through Rome. Like, how did we get from the last movie? Yeah, to there this? must be a long time. <laughs> Like, wait, so now dinosaurs are all over the earth and it, it the, the, the trailer looked like to me, and I made a, I commented this to in, in our group text. I said, it's like mission impossible meets Jurassic park. Like it, all of a sudden they're, you know, diving around and it looks like an action movie meets dinosaurs. So for me, the most exciting part is the cast. Um, I don't know where they're going with this. I I'll see it. This will be one I definitely see in theaters just because, you know, you want to see it on a big screen. Yeah. But I, I think I'm at a two to a three on both. I think the trailer made me ask more questions. Um, and I don't know. The last movie was disappointing to me. I, I'm just there for the ride at this point. So I'm in a weird spot because I think I might be the only person on the entire podcast that liked Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom quite a bit. And Jurassic World Dominion did the one thing that you could have done to like really stoke my anticipation for a Jurassic Park movie. And that's conceptualize the dinosaurs in a way that I we haven't seen before. Like living in a contemporary world among man. Yeah. Like, that's the one, and Banner, I know he's been, like, afraid they were going to do this for decades, but they it, it's the one card they had left to play, I feel like. And this was a movie that, before I saw the trailer, I was like, yeah, I'll see it, but maybe not opening weekend. Now that the trailer came out and they did exactly what we knew they would do, play to my nostalgia boner and show Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, and the new cast together on screen. It was Lauren Dern that did the boner, though, right? Like 100%, yes. Yeah. Um, but now, so now this is a Thursday night, the weekend it comes out, appointment viewing for me. Oh, wow. So I'll say trailer three and a half, four, four, movie definite four. Um, this was one that I was like really not that stoked about, even though I liked the last one, because I just feel like, you know, it's like a Jurassic Park movie. We're at the point now where it's like, what are you going to do that I haven't seen? Yeah. Oh, that's what you're going to do, which we kind of suspected, but I didn't know I would fall in love with the concept as much as I did until I saw the trailer. All right, I have two more, and these are movies that did not get trailers that I was surprised or disappointed about. So just give me your quick thoughts on either why or, like, what's the deal here? First is Thor Love and Thunder, which apparently I'd been given bad information because I thought Marvel had four spots during the game now unless two of them aired afterwards and no one is or we've scrubbed the internet from the trailers i thought we were going to get this and either a miss marvel or she hulk trailer so nate we'll go to you first movie comes out in july here let me double check the date here but thor love and thunder yeah july 8th uh nothing we haven't even seen really a poster for it yet so what do you, what's, what's the deal here yeah i know we, we were talking about this um during the super bowl and we're both pretty pumped and thinking okay here we go we're gonna get to see something on this one very anticipated and yeah i'm really disappointed um coming up on the release date and we we don't have anything on this i'm i'm just uh really excited about this one just in general because tiko atiti coming back um directing this i did a great job on ragnarok 
I just love him in general. Um, and Jojo so, Rabbit, we love too. Yes, all of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was disappointed in this for a lot of multiple reasons, not just being a fan of uh, the Marvel Universe. Um, but yeah, I really thought this was going to come up. It's been getting hyped all over the place. So really confused why this one wasn't in the mix. Yeah, and we've got nothing is what I'm confused about. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, what are they keeping under wraps? Cycli, can I sue Taika Waititi? For no trailer. You can, uh, you'll lose. But I, I would say for me, like the uh, my anticipation for this is we're getting Natalie Portman, right? We are, and Christian Bale. And Christian Bale. Oh yeah, that's so. Again, cast is getting me more intrigued. But I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad. Especially with superhero movies, I mean, there's no reason not to release a trailer. Like sometimes you get a little nervous, right? Like in, in yeah. post production, like and we have the Guardians of the on. Galaxy in this, so it's like, what the fuck are we doing? Guys? Yeah. So, so like, gotta, ideally, this yeah, movie should be being of... pumped out. So I don't know. That sometimes makes me nervous when I think of other movies that have kind of waited. So, but they again, cast has me intrigued. Yeah, and then I mean, you, all, I mean, you even have Matt Damon and Melissa McCarthy in this, so got a lot of firepower coming in. Matt Damon has to be playing the same actor from Asgard that he played. <laughs> that was so that. funny. Yeah, he's currently listed as actor Loki. Yeah, and yeah. Sam Neill, of course, is the actor who played Odin. Yeah, and Luke Hemsworth is the actor who played Thor, the one from Westworld. All right, the other movie that didn't get a trailer, which I'm not surprised because, as I've said on this podcast, and I will still maintain this until December 16th, and we actually see it on screen, because it's not fucking real, is Avatar 2, which was rumored to, <laughs> to maybe get a teaser. This has been filming since, I believe, 1947? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's accurate. So, Cycle, we'll go to you first. It's a fake movie. It's not real. But are you surprised at all we didn't get anything for James Cameron's Avatar 2? I, know I feel like he's out, just still. yeah he's just like fucking around right like the guy doesn't care I, I've said this multiple times on the pod like he's just using Avatar as a way to fund his adventures like James Cameron just doesn't give a shit as long as he's doing the things he wants to do with his personal life so I, I again I've said that Avatar for its time was fun and good I think you know the, the age of 3D is over uh, I don't think it's aged as well I don't know who needs this movie. I know it will it will be fine in the box office, but I, I just I don't even if I saw a trailer, I don't think I would change how I felt. Just yeah, just not in. It's not real. So Nate, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could care less about this to be honest. Uh, I think I've seen half of the first Avatar. Nice. Um, so you only watched four hours of it. Yeah, and that was enough for me. And I think we, we talked about this on the pod previously at some point. I don't know why. But, um, yeah, at the time it came out, it was great. It was groundbreaking. Cool. I don't – I mean, we, we've advanced so much since then. You can't really pull out, like, new bells and whistles that are going to that are gonna leave us in shock and awe anymore. So you're going to have to drive us with the plot, I guess. I don't know. And Unless it's shown in yeah. theaters where, like, every audience member is in their own pod. And in the pod, yeah. there's smell and there's wind and there's, like, movement. Yeah, like, yeah like... The, the allure was the technology, the news right. of it. Been there, done that. We have better technology now. Uh, I don't know. I, honestly, I, I, I watched this movie on a flight to Thailand, and so it was nice because it knocked out half the flight. Yeah, you know that sixteen-hour flight. This that was the first time I'd rewatched it. Yeah, in a long this, time. This would be like uh, the Beatles, you know, reviving the dead members 
from their graves and putting together an album and they're like we we invented a thing called auto-tune like, oh, oh we good know. For you. not only not only has that been around but it's like faded out now like the avatar was 3d which it perfected but that trend has even died so it's yeah, like, it yeah completely came um, and can i make a one reference on a trailer we did get in the pod uh, in, sure. the, in the during the Super Bowl, it's not a movie, so we got um, Lord of the Rings: Ring of Power. Oh yes. Um, just the only reason I want to mention this because I am such a Lord of the Rings fan. I mean, to me, they're some of the most iconic movies ever and perfect films. But I so this is going to be like one of the most expensive shows, if not the most expensive show of all time. The most and, of all time, and it's yeah, not even close and, from what I've read. Yeah, and Amazon's going all in. I gotta say, for a big fan and such production. The trailer does not look that good. Uh, and not in a say like on the content. Like it just doesn't look that developed. It didn't sell me like on the characters. It was so underwhelming. I, I don't I'm like, come on, man, you're just spending a billion dollars on this and you're taking you're you're creating the first story, I guess, in the world of Lord of the Rings uh, that you're creating your own content for that you can't insult this, right? Like this is a treasured story that they barely only only barely got to make the original movies so you know if they come out and this is a bust and this is not just embarrassing on a, a hey it's a bad show it's embarrassing on a financial level it's an embarrassing insult to the franchise um i don't know what they're doing maybe i'm wrong but maybe other people like the trailer it did i just watched it like oh okay yeah. so according to the internet a so Amazon acquired the property for $250 million, a $400 million budget for season one, and they've already committed over a billion dollars across a five-season Absolutely insane. commitment. And I have to say this, and this doesn't necessarily mean anything, but looking at the cast, I don't recognize a single name. It, and I, I mean, I, I mean this when I say it. There are movies that you do not need to spend a billion dollars to be amazing like i get it like okay it's going to be the state of the art but if you give us good content like the, the lord the first episode the first season of game of thrones or things like that like those are iconic yeah. they have bigger budgets later on that, that's not what makes a show good so amazon just hit like sh like I, who are they even competing with once you get the rights i don't even understand where this money is being spent so, I mean, I'll watch it. I'll give it a chance, again, mainly because of my love for Lord of the Rings. But because of my love for Lord of the Rings, I, I could see myself turning it off pretty quickly. Mm. Very interesting. Cycling, one name we do know. Nazanin Boniadi, who played Nora in How I Met Your Mother, is in the show. Oh, nice. I thought you were going to say Taka <laughs> the Wakiti. I was like, oh. <laughs> God, he would be in fucking everything. He is in everything. <laughs> Last thing I'll mention for 15 seconds. Cannot believe we didn't get a trailer for a cocaine bear during the Super Bowl. Of course you're going to mention that. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> I was waiting for it. What would it's... that trailer have even been like? <laughs> Just a bear on the screen roaring with cocaine on his nose. That's it. Michael Irvin's there. They're like sharing a hotel room. <laughs> yeah. Cocaine bear. He was part of the famous Cowboys White House. <laughs> he was on the it was a backup left tackle yeah <laughs> all right on to the second part of our show i have a short one today this is our protein shake where we go around and talk about what is in our cup also known as what have we watched lately i have four things although i'll be honest 
The very last thing, I have like five minutes left on Peacock, so I haven't officially finished it, but I'm going to go ahead and count it because I think, okay. I think I know how it ends. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Cycli, let's start with you. We'll just go around, Robin. What have you seen lately? What's in your cup? What have I seen lately? Um, I, you guys always hear me say, I, there's a couple I know you and I are going to overlap on, so I'll, I'll start with the others. Um, I'm always having some random show in the background that I've seen a thousand times. Um, I am currently now on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, I've seen clips. I know I would love it. It's just on my list of things to get you to. You would absolutely love it. I'm in, like, yeah, I'm in the it, same boat. Like, I know I would. I just haven't got around to it. It's one of the, yeah, I, there, I, I think I was the same way. I first watched it like two years ago, like, or three years ago. And I was like, felt the same way. I'm a big fan of Andy Samberg's comedy and rap. Like, I, I was like, you know, I was like, I heard good things. People raving about it. Finally, was just like, okay, fine, I'll start it. And it's, it's so good. <laughs> like, it is, you know, I, re- I just finished my rewatch of New Girl. I'm like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a thousand times better than New Girl. And I love New Girl. It was fun. But, because there's a, epi- a crossover episode between the two. Um, I do think I've but, seen that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've probably seen the the famous Backstreet Boys scene, right? In Brooklyn yes. Nine-Nine. Yeah, that's. With the, like, lineup people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great one, uh, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine and you need a new sitcom to kind of just, like, to watch or have in the background, um, I can't recommend it more. It's it's probably one of the best comedies in terms of what comes, like, network comedies, I'll say that, um, sitcoms that have come out in the last 10 years. Um, it, it kind of had a weird ending um, overall, but if you just are needing a good show. I mean, it's constant hilarity. It's good writing. It's serious writing at the same time because it is serious content. It's not, you know, again, you know, police, uh, police station versus like a scrubs, like in a hospital, you're getting serious content. Uh, and they make the show revolve around that, but still make you laugh and enjoy the, in the cast of characters. Um, so yeah, Brooklyn nine, nine, I, I always forget how much I liked it, uh, when I rewatch it. It's on Peacock and Hulu. Shit, it's on Peacock? I've been watching it on Hulu with fucking commercials. Oh, son of a bitch. (sighs) You idiot. Um, Yeah, I I think it's important to have a show like this that you just throw on, that you've preferably seen before, but we're doing doing our fourth rewatch of How I Met Your Mother right now, which I'm pot committed. It's not that I don't enjoy it, but I would like to start a new show, so once we finish, maybe this will be the one that I suggest. Yeah, highly recommend. Our, I, I don't think you'd regret it. Ours is New Girl right now. I think we're on the third rewatch. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah that's funny. New Girl's like our backup one. Like, she'll yeah. watch it and I'll come in. It's a good one. Yeah. All right, Nate, what have you seen lately? Um, so I have like six things, but I'm going to group two together and you'll see why. Um, so I really have like four. So the first one, well, the first two are I saw Ride Eagle and Digging for Fire, which I'm sure neither one of you have heard of or seen. Not Ride the I Eagle? can't say I haven't. Uh, no. Oh, Ride the Eagle. Yeah, sorry. Ride Richard the Eagle. Johnson? Yeah, and Digging for Fire. Yeah, I watched that last week. I think I talked oh, about the episode. Oh, that's super random. Yeah. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. How, I found one of these, and then it lended itself to watching the other one. So uh, Jake Johnson is in both of these. Did uh, I not recommend Ride the Eagle to you? If not, my bad, because it's something I thought. It'd I be funny if he was drunk and like he had it in his subconscious. I was like, I Nate, I, I, text. Like I don't think so. I just randomly found maybe, maybe you did. 
What's the other one? Digging for fire. Is that what you said? Digging for fire. Yeah. So yeah, Ryan the Eagle, uh, Jake Johnson, kind of hippie type. Um, his mom dies, and his in her will leaves a list of things he has to do to inherit. Um, I think her cabin. <clears throat> so it's his journey through that. Um, and then digging for fire is the cast of this is insane. I know that's the other thing. It's insane and it has a horrible rating. It's not that great of a movie. Damn it! I want this My, to be so good. It's worth watching just because of the cast and it. it's pretty good. Um, yes, yeah, just Rock, like IMD being Jake Johnson. I don't even know how they popped. Yeah, they popped up. It wasn't on there. It was just it's like funny. on our Amazon Fire stick. Um, but yeah, the Fire uh, Stick same, knows things about us that we don't even know. Yeah, Sam Rockwell's in it. Um, Anna Kendrick, Brie Larson, Orlando Bloom, Brie Orlando Larson. Bloom. Yeah, Christmas uh, for him. Ron Livingston from Office Space. And then that movie's kind of about, I mean, it's at the core about a relationship between a husband and wife and um, it getting stronger over time, but they're small difficulties that they go through. But my overall sentiment is Jake Johnson just kind of plays the same guy in every show or movie he's in. He's kind of that quirky. Talk about no range. Not overachieving guy. I mean, he does it well because I really think that's just who he is in real life. Um, and it's kind of what my father-in-law accuses John Wayne of being. He's not a good actor. That's just who he is. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like, he's are like, you even acting at this point? You're just reading yeah. lines. But that's the funny thing I, I took away, and that's why I just, I just want to include these in my protein check. Is I think Jake Johnson just kind of plays the same guy in every role, and uh, it's kind of funny seeing that. So, and I think Jake Johnson's incredibly talented and very uh, watchable on screen. But I also think that Hollywood has figured out there is a very small spectrum of characters that he can play. He caught lightning in a bottle with uh, uh, in New Girl. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he was he. I mean, he maybe made that show for me. There, um, just about him. Like he just like the New Girl Reddit had a competition over the last like fifty days where they voted out a character leading to their favorite character, and of course Nick won. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. He, I mean, so many one quotable, quirky one-liners. It's it's amazing. The, I'm with you, but he's good up. at what he does. I mean, like that's the thing. There's a lot of people like that. I think that what makes an actor iconic are the people who can do everything. And you know, he's not that, but you can enjoy from him for what he yeah. is. Yeah. So Nate, digging for fire. I mean, I have an erection looking at this cast, but is this not? Is it not? You reference like five boners you've had. This it's time. okay. I might have an issue. <laughs> like it's, it's been four hours. Like halfway through the movie, you're like, what is this trying to do? And then it kind of resolves at the end. It's worth a watch, but yeah, it's not the best. But I mean, the cast alone is enough to draw you in and watch it. I think I like that the story revolves or resolves at the end. I like that. (laughs) Hey, you joke. That's like not (laughs) a guarantee. IMDb, I think, I don't know who the fuck wrote this, but this is the genre they have it listed as dramedy, comma, comedy, drama. Sorry, drama. Comedy drama, so it's a drama sandwich with comedy as the meat. Drama and like the the little snippet they have on IMDb, like I think this is what drew me in, and it was like this: the discovery of a bone and guns and a husband and wife on separate adventures over the course of a weekend. Which technically that's true, but you just have to watch the movie to see how. What'd you watch it on? It's a little misleading. Uh, Prime. Yeah, it's on Hulu. Uh, Tubi. Okay, who has that? Amazon Prime. I have Tubi. It's free, bro. I'm pretty sure I, I watched it on Prime. I definitely gonna, did not 
pay for it. Another podcast I listen to does a segment called Tubi or Not Tubi, and the guy says a movie, and you have to guess if he watched it on Tubi or not. <laughs> See, like, That's pretty good. Shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are my two Jake Johnson movies I watched recently grouped together. So Nice. Nice. I'm now, intrigued. let's... Let's talk about Ride the Eagle real quick. I don't have a lot to say about it because I talked about it like two weeks ago. I think this was a movie. Jake Johnson actually wrote the uh, screenplay to this. No. Nice. He didn't direct it, but I think it was his first screenplay. And first off, how does J.K. Simmons find the time? (laughs) Yeah, it's just such a a random role that he like gets plugged in here. Um, And actually just looking at the cast, I I totally forgot. Uh, Darcy Carden is in it um, from The Good Place who played Janet in The Good Place. And she was really fun in this this show, in this movie, too. Is she his ex-girlfriend? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like one of the standouts of the movie for me, for yeah, sure. Yeah, she, kind of, she was kind of a good reprieve from the main narrative. And I, I thought the movie was like definitely worth a watch. Short run mm-hmm. time, cool concept. But I realized afterwards, like, there's it's really weird in the sense that there's so few scenes with actually more than one character on screen at at more than one at the time if that makes sense yeah at the the beginning jake and his landlord band manager guy and then him and jk simmons and that's kind of it in like two scenes right the rest of it is it's very isolationist or it's like someone is on the phone with someone else by themselves and it i don't know it was just like a sort of a weird dynamic to have in the film it's it's very slow and it Definitely doesn't take a swing for the fences. It's trying to punch like an opposite field single. And it does that pretty well. But yeah. it's just not really trying to do much. No. So it was kind of like no way it could really fail, if that makes sense. I finished and it didn't leave a bad taste in my mouth. I was pleased. Yeah. It's not really funny enough to be a comedy. And it's not really dramatic enough to be like a <laughs> solid drama, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of stuck in the middle. But it definitely has its funny moments, for sure. Yeah, it does. All right, I saw probably the newest movie any of us have seen. That's Death on the Nile in the theaters this past weekend. The Kenneth Branagh written, directed, and starring in a sequel to Murder on the Orient Express from three years ago. And Cycli and I have not been shy about, fine, I have another boner, because we love a delicious <laughs> whodunit. I love it. And Cycli, I don't know if you remember this. We did the Murder on the Orient Express review that began with Banner doing a horrific choo-choo train impression. Oh, I, I will never forget. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish I could. Yeah, Not the opportunity to do that here. This was sort of an interesting watch because Army Hammer has obviously been canceled since you know the production and filming of this. And there's really no way. This wasn't like a Kevin Spacey, all the money in the world situation. Because it's an ensemble movie, there's really no way they could have reshot his part. Like, every scene he's in, there's about eight other people in the frame. Um, I'll say this, because obviously you can't really review much of this uh, without spoiling the movie. Pacing-wise, in the second act, I was starting to drift a little bit. Not necessarily because it was boring, but just because I feel like we had sort of the same conversation a few times. And you know, if you've seen the first one, you know Poirot enough as a character and this really kind of retreads a lot of that ground It adds some stuff. But at the same time, it's like, dude, I want to see him solve a fucking murder mystery. I don't want to see him. I don't need to know exactly about like why he has a mustache and all these other things, which they literally do get into. And there's great color to it. I'll say this murder on the Orient express, the twist at the end 
It's okay. It's it's definitely inventive. I don't think it's the greatest way to wrap up a delicious whodunit. This one has some nice little twists and turns. I appreciated the twist in this more than Murder on the Orient Express. And I like the resolution. Yeah. Um, the cast is not as good as Murder on the Orient Express, but we do get some pretty solid performances. I, I heard, I mean, I heard Gal Gadot is terrible. She's not good in it, no. I, I mean, I'm starting to think that she is only good at being like Wonder Woman. <laughs> like, I don't know if she has the chops to do other things yeah and she um she really has only one way to deliver a line and in in this let me look up the cast member again because i don't want to spoil anything because there's even like a pretty big um character plot turn that happens in like the first 15 minutes of it oh damn and gal Gadot's character is sort of at the center of it you know because this girl was in a show that I have not seen, but I know people love her for it. Uh, God damn it. When you Google cast, it doesn't give you the... This is frustrating. It's great podcasting. <laughs> Whatever. Her hey, guys, not... we haven't mentioned Zima in a while. <laughs> Drink Zima. <laughs> They're still paying the Serenus checks. <laughs> They're like, it's you not... haven't mentioned us in 150 episodes. <laughs> but Someone um... drinking a Zima? Yeah. The one thing I put We're in my letterbox review, we probably could have cut like, cleared. We probably could have cut like four characters out of this thing, but I understand that you need them to sort of build the list of possible suspects in a whodunit, and it does do a pretty good job of that. I did predict one of the twists in the movie, but there were still two that I did not see coming at all that were. Would you Would you recommend? I know you saw it with your mom, right? Like, so would. Would you? I, I'm probably leaning on waiting till this comes out. Would you recommend seeing it in theaters, or would you say no? It's fine to wait. No, I don't think it's necessarily a theater watch, um, but it is one that you and the wife would enjoy. This I actually think would be better at home. It'd be really because like around the hour mark, when there's like an hour left, you're gonna probably want to pause it, take a little break, come back. But again, dude, the same thing with Knives Out and uh, Daniel Craig's character. With Poirot, dude, you could, I could do like a 10-movie Poirot uh, box set. Like, I just love Hercule Poirot as a detective. He's great. And Kenneth Branagh's accent is fucking awesome. So give me more. Death on the Nile. All right, Cycle, what else you got? Okay. I'm not going to – I'm not embarrassed, guys. I'm not. I don't care. Uh, I've started like you're watching. A embarrassed. No, I said well, I'm not embarrassed. not embarrassed if you're not Get your ears checked. Um, I watched Love is Blind too. At least started it because they're only releasing so many episodes at a time. I don't know if you've ever seen the first season of Love is Blind either. Because they you. know you'll try to drink water through a fucking fire hydrant if they release them all. Unfortunately, yeah, I would. have seen the first season. Okay, Nate well, and have you Banner started the second? Are, are big love huh? heads. Have you have you started the second season? No, it, it'll it'll be on the list for sure. Yeah, so I won't spoil anything, God forbid. Um, it, the, my God, the couples are even, I don't know. The people they got <laughs> this year, I don't think there's going to be a couple that makes it. I'm just going to say Sorry, that. remind it's, me, is this the one where you never see the person you're following? Yes, about? and then they propose, that you meet them in pods, and then yeah. you get proposed to, and then obviously not every there's a cast of like 20 guys and 20 girls and only the ones who get engaged move on into actually meeting each other so um i think it's like one episode in where you kind or one or two episodes where you you know clear the field and then get everyone to mexico 
I'm sitting here telling you, like, I don't know if one couple makes it. None of the couple matchups make any sense. Well, it sounds like it'll make for good TV then. It Oh, it has lots of drama. Um, and it's funny, like, I, I hate, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, like, I was anti, like, reality TV and trash TV until the pandemic hit. And then the pandemic hit and I had nothing else to do. So I think I started, I, I mentioned this before, the first reality TV show I ever watched was The Circle, um, which is trash TV, but it has, I don't know, I enjoy the like what it's trying to do. Love is blind. Yeah. There's no other way. It is trash TV. That's simple. No. Um, guilty pleasure. Drink with, you know, drink while you're watching. Um, judge other people. Make yourself feel better about yourself while you watch. That's really what the show does. Yeah, finding the people who have no redeeming qualities. I can't remember the the names on the first season, but uh, I mean, they're kind of the main focus. Uh, yes, the, I know who you're the woman. About. Yeah, the woman who she was in love with this guy and then found out he was shorter than her. Yeah, God and, forbid. <laughs> and oh, that, well, that, basi- that basically uh, started. That, well, that is she, the, like she. He was not even short. He was like five nine or something. Yeah, not super <laughs> short. I mean, that's yeah. Like he, they were like the same height. I think. Yeah, but, you know. And then like um, that. That was the first domino, and then she just kept nitpicking things. And she was and, terrible. Yeah, oh she God. was. Awful. There's a lot of terrible people in this one. <laughs> like, you're just like, oh, come on. Nah, man. I'm not going to lie. I was really bummed out that the episode ended and, like, episode five ended. I was like, I need my shows, Jack. <laughs> so just to clarify, this is like a rare occasion of Netflix not dropping the whole thing at once, right? They do this with their reality shows. The Circle is the same way. Okay. They release like a handful, like over a, over the three week or month period. Like I think in in by the end of the first week of March, we'll have all of them. So what's like their re- day of the week? Because Disney Plus, I think most of the shows are Wednesday releases. I honestly can't tell you. Probably Friday. Of course, I say you want to start because it because ca- it came out on Friday, so I would imagine. Because the wife and I like turn on the TV after eating dinner. And we're like, love is blind to commercial or, you know, how we open Netflix. It just starts. And you're like, oh, no way. It's back. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, me so watch well, it. Netflix. <laughs> she looked at me. I was like, I go, oh, fine. You're probably going to watch, watch this. And she's like, you know, you want to watch. It. I was like, yeah, but you yeah, do. <laughs> it's for Valentine's, babe. <laughs> what better way to make you feel more in love than watching these shitty couples? It is true. You do feel so much better about <laughs> who you are as a person in, in your relationship. All right, Nate, up to you. Um, these are two others I'm going to couple together and run through real quick. Um, because I watch them for the same reason, because they have the same actor in it. Um, but we're throwing it back a little bit. Um, this is uh, These are two James Dean classics. Love it. Uh, East of Eden and Rebel Without a Cause. Um, I wish I liked these more than I did. I wasn't a fan. Um, now, Dennis Hopper is in Rebel Without a Cause. How old is he? Yeah. I mean, old as balls. I think these came out like 53, 54, sometime around that. Right, like within a year of him dying, um, he was kind of lightning in a bottle himself because – kind of came on the scene and then unfortunately came to an early demise. Like I think he was like 25 when he died or something like Spoilers, that. Spoilers, man. Well, I mean, it happened no, like, but he died like 70 years ago and he's dead. So, um, yeah, I mean just some things that, like the way the movies would play out. Um, and the acting was 
just not that great. But I, I had heard such great things. I was like, I got to watch these, the classics. But they did they did not do it for me. Um, and I have a ton of old movies that I've been watching over the past several years that I loved. Um, these these were just not the. Can we normalize not liking classics and that being okay? I agree, we're, and I, we're I starting I, it right now. One thing Good. I love is Nate's uh, traversing back through like a lot of the the Turner classic movies that are on HBO Max. I see now this one's on there too, and sometimes they do hold up. Like what was the? Um, I'm trying to look at your list. You had Rear Window within the past year. Or you so. have the 1969 True Grit on your list. You have The Great Dictator. Wasn't there another Aubrey Hepburn movie? Not Breakfast at Tiffany's. There was another one you watched recently. Um, there's My been Fair a couple. Lady? Um, was it My Fair Lady? I think it was. Oh, My Fair Lady. Yeah, which is yeah the uh, based on the play Pygmalion, um, which was I, I really enjoyed that. It was great. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, Charade was another one that had a uh, Cary Grant in it. Right, right, right. Yeah, that was another good one. Um, and I actually rewatched that one recently. Um, but yeah, I went back and rewatched Citizen Kane about a year ago, and I actually did like it. But I do really, um, yeah, I I did. I was shocked at how much I liked it. And uh, I, I'm with I you guys. Like, yeah, sorry. I was gonna say it's fine to not like these movies. Yeah. And the thing yeah. is, there are classics that are old movies, like you guys are saying, that are fantastic. Like, but to just say, like, I can appreciate what Citizen Kane was or what it did, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make it a, you know, like to me now, like I get why that was amazing, but it's not like Wizard of Oz or things like that. I'm like, no, but there are so many old movies that, that do stand the test of time for a reason too. So and I think shouldn't some of them. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm yeah. with you. I'm like, that's cool that you're doing it. But I think it's okay to be like, hey, this is a classic and watch and be like, yeah, no. Yeah, especially Rebel Without a Cause. Like one of the scenes, like they're playing chicken basically and they stole two cars and they're going to race them off a cliff but jump out at the last second before one of the guys doesn't get out and he has a girlfriend. And by the end of the movie, which is the end of that night or the next night, she's like falling in love with James Dean. I'm like your boyfriend literally just died in a car crash going off a cliff. <laughs> And she's like not even acknowledging that anymore. And like this just doesn't I don't know, it was like sloppy. Oh, what a horn dog. Wasn't the that great. Yeah. Um and then yeah, East of Eden, kind of the same thing. And I, I believe that one's based on a book. Um but another one, yeah, just not that great, kind of over the top acting at, at at points. Um I see James Dean could be good. He had potential, but it, these two movies I saw that. were just not I, I, I I don't think I've remembered him, but I was going to ask, like, I mean, I know who he is, obviously, an iconic, you know, famous person yeah. from that era and you know, tragic death at all. But, like, do you think if he hadn't died, like, did he have the ability to be good? Or do you think it would have been, like, if he had survived, he would have fizzled out and we probably wouldn't even know his name anymore? Because that's what I feel like River Phoenix is. And not to be, mm-hmm. you know, speak ill of the dead. I'm not speaking ill of him. I'm just saying, like, yeah. some of these guys they die at their peak, you know, and it's, it's, that's how they're going to be remembered, which is fair. Like you can't remember them for something we didn't see them as. Yeah. No, with James Dean, I, I could see glimpses of good acting in there. Um, specifically like in rebel without a cause and like some, some dialogues with just him and another person. Um, but like casual conversations, like once he got into more like intense or emotional scenes, they just didn't work for me. He was kind of over the top. They didn't make sense. He would get, boisterous for no reason maybe that's the, the direction the director wanted it to go i don't know but um it just didn't work well 
Yeah, bad actors need to blame the director. It's always their fucking fault. Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever you need to do. Unless uh, it's Star Wars, where it is the director's fault. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Also, uh, I, I was talking up Citizen Kane a second ago. So out of, what, how many films do I have again in my top 100 ever list? 1,068 films, Citizen Kane is 548. So it's almost like smack, smack dab mm-hmm. in the middle. That's fair. I think that's fair. I, when I when I say I don't like Citizen Kane, I I will say this: I think Citizen Kane is a fine movie. I do not think it is the best movie of all time, like people try to argue. Likely, like, I have Citizen Kane right behind Krampus. <laughs> That's an insult to Krampus. <laughs> That's why I love these lists. Like, could you imagine explaining that in the era to someone else? Be like, yeah, Citizen Kane is. I'm gonna make a movie about an evil Santa. Let's that do a will bro be, be bro Citizen Kane versus Krampus. The the one everyone is clamoring for. Nice, Nate. Of these two, is there one you would recommend? I mean, Rebel Without a Cause is on my list of movies that like I need to see in my lifetime. Um, I just haven't yet. Yeah, I had to give one. Uh, yeah, I would put Rebel Without a Cause above East of Eden. Okay. Yeah. Um, I watched Mortal Kombat Annihilation from 1997 on HBO Max. The much maligned sequel to Mortal Kombat. Let me say this, man. I think we do a good job on this podcast of evaluating movies based on what they're trying to do versus what they pull off. And this movie still fails. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. Right. There's some fun stuff in the middle of it. And that Mortal Kombat, like I watch, this was what I call a treadmill watch for me where I do like my walk run on the treadmill while I watch something sort of stupid to take my mind off of it. And still, when that intro song comes in, it fucking gets you going. Like, it's an adrenaline rush. However, I think the thing that bothers me most about this film is the just horrible, horrible set and production design. Like, there's a scene where a character gets kicked into a rock, and he hits the rock, and it starts, like, wobbling. Like, it's clearly made of rubber. Like, <laughs> I couldn't get that right. Thing. That happens in Seinfeld all the time with Kramer. Like, come on. <laughs> like, you don't... It shouldn't happen. And the only other thing I'll say about it, because I feel like at some point, Banner's going to want to talk about this movie more, and, you know, I, I don't want to get too in-depth on the film now. There is... And I actually really appreciate this, because this is where, like, a writer is in a room, and he's like, look, this is my script, okay? This is it. I'm not fucking changing it. We're taking this to the set. So... Sub-Zero, spoilers for the first Mortal Kombat and the second one from 1995 and 97. Sub-Zero dies in Mortal Kombat 1995. In Mortal Kombat Annihilation, he just shows up again. And this is how it's explained in the film. Liu Kang, the character, says to Sub-Zero before they fight, we killed you. And Sub-Zero says to him, no, that was my brother. And then (laughs) that's it, we fight. Great We fight again great writing i literally paused this tv and i was like i was like what the fuck bro that's something i would say like (laughs) i would write if i'm writing a like come on it's kind of i i actually really respect how few fucks they gave they're like we don't have to we don't owe you any explanation the next movie he's like no that was my other brother 
<laughs> same outfit, same powers. Then they just fight. It's it's like the Even writers like, triplets. well, if it's a Mortal Kombat movie, I need Sub Zero in it. So the, that's your fault for killing him in the first one. Only movie that's ever actually pulled that off in a hilarious way was Beer Fest. Yeah, when, yeah. You know, like when they kill Farm, like, Landfill too. Landfill, <laughs> and he's like, "Hey guys, could you just call me Landfill and act like nothing ever happened? I'd really appreciate." It. They're like, "Yeah, Landfill." Like, and Landfill tries to drink the beer and then, <laughs> yeah, and they make it seem like he's successful. Like that's that's the only time you should do something like that. But here you could tell the writers like, dude, and then there's this badass scene like Liu Kang fights Sub Zero, and the the executive producers like. Ooh, actually, Sub Zero died in the first one. Okay, I go, all right, sorry. Where everywhere it says Sub Zero in the script, just add brother, and then we're good. Because it's Sub Zero's. Sub Zero point one is my name. And it's funny because same exact outfit. Uh, I think one thing they did do is add like a slight scar to Sub Zero's brother's eyeball. <laughs> there you go. You're you're selling me on this. I want you to know. Covered it up. You thought you were not gonna sell it, but no, you're selling. Also, you guys might like this, and I texted Psyche this. Uh, Raiden, of course. First off, it's crazy the amount of people that were recast in this movie. Like, how much fucking money were they asking for? Anyway, Raiden, who's like I would say the lead character in this film, is played by Dexter's dad uh, from, of course, Dexter. Good for him. I don't know I haven't see, seen him in anything since. He's been uh, something else. Hold James on. Remar. He's also in Too Fast, Too Furious. But the dude he's is probably absolutely pre-Dexter. Hus- he's hustling. Oh, definitely was pre-Dexter. Yeah, 97. But he's hustling here, guys. He's, like, running out every ground ball. He's doing everything he can. So that's Mortal Kombat Annihilation from 97. I only have two things left. Uh, Slightly, what do you have? Just empty out your cup here. Uh, yeah, I'll go fast on these. Well, uh, uh, two of them I share with you. So I'll just say I watched the movie Lamb, um, a 24 film that I, I've talked about on the pod. Again, I mentioned this earlier today, how I just respect originality, right? Like that's what a 24 has kind of been the symbol of lately in the last few years. Um, so the trailer came out last year and, and I was immediately intrigued. I was like, OK, this looks fucked up. I love fucked up movies. Um, you know, Numi Rapaci, right? From Girl with Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, and and the 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 trailer is kind of like you know like okay, there's a couple and they look like there's a like a lamb hybrid child. You're like, okay, what is this about? This looks you know interesting and strange. And then you watch the movie. And I don't. Is it okay for me to spoil this? I mean, there's like made like a hundred thousand dollars at the box office. I don't think. Yeah, if you don't want, if, and I'm included in the people who haven't seen it. But if you don't want Lamb spoiled for you, skip ahead. You know. <laughs> yeah, I won't like say anything that actually happens. I'll just say nothing happens. How about that? Um, you know, A24 has gotten big, right? Like they used yeah. to be really selective of what movies they picked. They were really getting like one A24 movie a year, and now we're getting like ten a year. Um, which is good for them that they've expanded, but now quality is dipping, in my opinion. Um, Lamb went for the like, hey, let's be really abstract and strange and weird, and then the movie ends, and it's on you, the audience member, to try to figure out what the fuck just happened. Um, but how about let's be honest, nothing happened. Like Nathan, that's a thing. no country for old men situation. Oh boy, oh, describing the dream there. Yeah, like it. It wants to be smart. 
and I get it. There are movies that I have to go home and like fucking read online, you know, threads online, Reddit, and and just be like, okay, wow, I didn't even notice that. Oh, is that allegory too? Oh my god, that has deeper meaning. This movie, whether it's surface or you try to dig deep, is nothing but what you're expecting in the trailer. And it has nothing else to offer. Unless there's some Icelandic or Swedish like story that is told to children that this is supposed to symbolize that we in our culture don't share or understand. Um, the movie's really pointless. So at least it was an hour and a half. Damn. Um, I didn't really hate it like by any means. This. Yeah, I didn't hate it. Like it might have been how like so the lighthouse. You and I talked about this, Nate. Like the lighthouse. While the movie itself wasn't my favorite movie I've ever seen, I could at least respect the acting, right? Like I can respect Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson's like ability to perform. Like I enjoyed that film only because of that. Like with mm-hmm. with Lamb, I'm just like, okay. I mean, was it well acted? Was it beautifully shot? Sure, but it didn't give me anything. Um, so it was really unsatisfying. I appreciate the originality, and I will always and I'll. I will always do this. I will always give originality a chance, even if it's bad. I respect them for doing something or trying something. But I'll I will say this: if you listen to this pod and you kind of like the same type of movies that I like, I'd say go ahead and give this a pass. Does it like build suspense and then just doesn't lead to anything, or do you never no. feel like a I don't movie? even think it builds suspense at all? I mean, I'm happy to tell everything that happens. It it would take twenty seconds. Like it, it really, there isn't anything to it. It, it, you know, like sitting here and explaining like Midsummer or something would would be so hard to do. Um, but Lamb is just, it's just that. This is where I'm like, should I be disappointed, or did we just build something up in our head that like we, I don't know, oversold ourselves on on something? I don't know. I think it's that. I think A24 got a reputation, like I mentioned with Jordan Peele or M Night, you know. And they've gotten people in the door. And again, it's a production company. They're not making these movies. They're funding them. So take that for a grain of salt. It's not A24's responsibility to make sure these movies are amazing. Um, So I think we, or I as the audience member, having watched so many A24 movies, have gotten to that point where I'm expecting this. And now I'm realizing, no, no, they're becoming a normal movie studio now. Maybe not normal, but more streamlined and more you know mainstream so you're right i think we're as guilty as anyone else disappointing but like you said you can't have a hundred percent success rate exactly i'm I'm still happy i watched it i'm just you know just no, sharing sharing for everyone else <laughs> i'd, I'd, I'd rather else? watch love is blind is that is that what you want me to say that's where we're trying to get to you made us do it the hard way but we still got there uh, you seen anything else? Well, yeah, I'll just throw it to you because I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, Pam and Tommy and How I Met Your Father. Yeah. So I have not seen the newest episode of Pam and Tommy, which this is, we're recording this on February 16th. You probably won't listen to it till like end of the month. But um, I guess I'll just real quick. Nate, are you watching the show too? I am not. Okay. I am very intrigued by it. It's creative storytelling I'm where I'm at though, cycling. <clears throat> I don't, from what I remember of this story, there's not much runway left, right? Like we're right. almost out of the interesting part. So I think there's like four episodes left. So I'm kind of intrigued to see where it goes. But so far, it's not mind blowing, but it like, I think it's got a shot to be my top five shows of the year. 
Yeah, it's it's really well done. I, and I said, I think I, you and I started at the same time two weeks ago. And I think I said this, we said the same thing to each other where I'm going to give a shot. Where is the story going to go? We know this story, right? Like we know what happens. So, and, it, and this story doesn't end with a crescendo, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't end with um, some huge twist or some massive, you know, realization. So I'm with you. I'm, I am, I'm, I've watched the last, not, I haven't watched the most recent episode, which I think came out today. Um, but yeah. I'm enjoying it. It's well produced, well acted, well written. But I'm also like kind of nervous on, you know, how this ends. So I'm I, again, enjoying the ride. Nothing wrong with watching it. Yeah, Nate, uh, Nick Offerman. I know you're Nick Offerman head. He's pretty good in this. Yeah, I saw what? he was in it. I'll, I'll give this a shot at some point. Um, but just haven't got there yet. There's a lot of nostalgia here for people, especially our age, um, reliving the early internet days. And for, if you're under a certain age and listening to this podcast for you to watch it, I would recommend because you get to see a really honest look at what life was like at the, the beginning of the internet. Uh, well, it's funny to you to see a big part of the narrative is people that don't believe the internet will take off. Like exactly. Which is true. Yeah, I remember people being like, "The internet? Are you fucking stupid?" It, it'd be a great movie for the you know Gen Zers and the generation underneath to be like, "Oh, that's what it was like in the '90s." It does feel very real. I, I remember all of that. Yeah, what a strange time to be alive. Now, if you took the internet away, every single 13 year old would die within seconds. <laughs> they would suffocate. God. God, we were the last like age group that it lived both lives. That would probably have survived. We're such a back in my day. I love it. I know. <laughs> All right, Nate. What uh, empty out your cup here? What else you got? Um, started and finished probably within a week. Um, the Amazon Prime Reacher series. Um, I really want to check this out. Really good. Really enjoyed it. I had high expectations. I've read. Um, I don't know how many books. Um, Lee Child has out now based around Jack Reacher. Um, but I've just looking back at my shelf right here, I have like 11 or 12 of them. Uh, Is it a lot of action in this series? Yeah, mm-hmm, for sure. Okay. Um, so anyone who's seen the Reacher movies with um, Tom Cruise in them, I thought they were good. Uh, Love the casting. first one. The second one's decent. Yeah. Uh, casting in them was absolutely horrible because Jack Reacher from the books, and I'm sure this is spread all over the internet and people have heard this is supposed to be a six, five, 250 pound monster of a man. Um, so Tom Cruise did not Tom fit Cruise? that. They finally did get this right by the casting finally. So they actually got someone in there that looks like what is portrayed in the book. So he's an ex MP, a military policeman from the army. Um, and he's basically kind of a, vagabond uh, a nomad he travels around um but alan richson is, is who's playing reacher in, in this show that was really great um supporting cast was great too i really didn't actually didn't know like anyone in this um, which is a good uh, good point i think cycle mentioned re- earlier like you can see good good uh tv shows good films and not know people in them um and i think this is a good good example of that um but th- this is based on his Lee Child's first book, The Killing Floor, mm-hmm. um, which you 
uh, wrote, I don't know, probably early 2000s. Um, but yeah, a lot of action. Um, I was really surprised by the acting. It's, I thought it might be a little corny, which there are some parts um, where that does happen. But um, yeah, a lot of action. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't have much to say about it other than it was great. How many episodes and then what kind of length are we looking at here? Um, episodes are about 50 minutes. And I think there were eight episodes, I believe. Okay. Uh, but yeah, getting really good reviews online too. And I, it, I was kind of in a tough position because I didn't know if I was just overhyping it because I've read all the books. Um, so I had kind of a more intimate relationship with the character and all that. Um, so I didn't know if I was kind of blinded by that. Um, but I'm glad to see it's, it's getting good reviews from other people too. Um, so it's not just my fanboyness enjoying it. I've heard nothing but good things, which is kind of a rarity these days. So I, yeah. Uh, I will definitely check it out. Yeah, he's a complete badass in it. And I mean, it it pulls in some mystery, too. You're kind of guessing um, who's behind all the shit. Um, and it kind of unravels and um, from there. So you're, you're kind of constantly guessing. Um, so it kind of gives a good mystery aspect to it as well. Um, yeah, and I your, see it got a season two renewal already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm interested. I don't know much about that. I don't, I don't know if it's going to keep going in line with one of the books, um, which would be cool um, because I think both of the movies were based off books as well. Um, So it'd be, it'd be kind of cool to go in line. And one weird fun fact about this Lee child, that's the guy's pen name. I can't remember his real name who wrote the books. He's actually British and all of his books are about an ex U S military guy, which is (laughs) random. He's done, he's done a good job about it. He's written a lot of reacher books, right? Mm -hmm. Like over a dozen probably. Yeah. Like I said, I have like 11 or 12 over here, and I know he's done more than that. Uh, did you also watch Jack Ryan, the John Krasinski Amazon show? Uh, that just, yeah, I watched it. Did they have two seasons on already or just one? I think they, yes, two seasons, yeah. Yeah, I watched both, yeah, I loved both of them, yeah. So that one is more cerebral than this, right? This I, I'm hoping Reacher is more of like a punch em up type show. Um, yes. There's some cerebralness to it um, because at any given time, um, Reacher is kind of portrayed as being basically the baddest motherfucker in the room and the smartest guy in the room, too. Right. Like he he was a general in the army and, like I said, ex-military police. So he had a living of hunting down bad guys, but the bad guys he was hunting down were trained killers because they were in the army. So he had to be the best of the best. So he's really good at – dissecting things, um, discovering things, really being, um, looking into the details, which is a big part of this, this series. He'll mention that a lot. Um, but yeah, he, he's usually the, the biggest physical power in the room and the smartest guy in the room. So it seems so kind of cheesy at, at, at face value, but it works. When there's like a guy in your fantasy football league that hasn't paid their league dues, you call Jack Reacher. You call Jack Reacher. He'll get it done. Anything else you've seen? Uh, That's about it for now. All right, let me get these two out real quick so we can get to the end of our show. Uh, I saw on Brian Banner's, it was, he like recommended the show and then like backed Mm -hmm. off. And so I'm actually going to give him less credit because he really (laughs) undersold this show. (laughs) And that is The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window on Netflix starring Kristen Bell. I'm definitely intrigued. Now, I think... And we've talked about this a little bit before, and this could be a whole other episode, so I don't want to dive into this. But Netflix fucking sucks at marketing their shows. Can we agree? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
like everything good that I hear about on Netflix, it's basically word of mouth, except for the Irishman. It's like that's the only thing they fucking Martin Scorsese threatened them. Yeah, I think this yeah, show last, just not not to cut into this too much, but yeah, the last um, time I think I was on the pod and we talked about this, uh, uh, the harder they fall. I love that that yeah. western with yeah, and Andrew it was Selden. a great cast, and they hardly and fall. I had no idea about it until I just randomly saw it. But yeah, yeah. go ahead. And with that cast alone, they should have been popping yeah. that thing up. But this movie, number one, I think was mismarketed because the trailer that I saw, which again might not be Netflix's fault, um, the trailer that I saw really made it seem like a parody of the Woman in the Window, that Amy Adams film. Yeah, which is sort I of weird because that was. I was gonna say it's weird because that was a Netflix movie, so for them to make fun of themselves is kind of odd. But sorry, what were you saying, Cycle? No, I, I was just sorry, really comment Becky back off that. That's why I didn't watch or like wasn't intrigued by it because I was like, oh, I haven't seen that yet. Like I, I thought they were related just based on the names. Like I thought yeah. it was like a play on that. So I was like, oh, maybe eventually I'll watch that movie and then watch the show that's commenting on the movie. Yeah. So I have not seen the woman in the window. My wife read the book. You, it has nothing to do with this show, like, at all. And I think the thing I love about this show is I've watched it, and I'm still in a mind fuck as to if it took itself seriously or not. Because there are <laughs> three or four really comedic and, like, laughable moments where they make fun of the genre, but then they snap right back into it, and it is a very dark, in-depth murder mystery with a twist every single episode. That and the, me. the best thing I can say about this is it's eight episodes and not a single one of them is over 25 minutes long. Hmm. Solid. It's nice to have that kind of show, though. I, yeah. I enjoy the ones you can just like zoom through. We binge through it in about four days. And right now, and again, it's early, it's February. This thing is my top show of the year. And it's going to take something mayor of wow. Easttown level to come in and supplant it. I mean, it's early. It's February. It's very early, yes. And there are things I'm looking forward to, but this is this is it. This is the contender right now. So come and get it. Uh, nice. Yeah, I would recommend it to both of you guys. You'll knock it out quickly. There's a little bit of gore in it, but for the most part, it's like, man, the way every episode ends, you're like, fuck, well, we got to watch the next one. And they're only 24 minutes, so why not? Fuck a pizza. <laughs> Throw it on. Like, maybe one other person got their reference. <laughs> yeah, if even. <laughs> All right, last thing I'll mention it's is because like, I don't want to have to talk. I don't want to talk about this next week. Uh, Marry Me on Peacock, Owen Wilson, Jennifer Lopez. Um, I still have like four minutes left in it. So, but I feel like I can confidently speak to the film. And again, this is another case of like, it knows what it is. It knows what it's going for. Owen Wilson is fucking god damn it he's charming like oh. just stop being so likable dude because i really <laughs> really like you the premise here is obviously absolutely ridiculous j-lo's not at her best but sarah silverman has some solid one-liners let me make a weird way to recommend what is j-lo's i'm sorry i've asked what is j-lo's best selena oh fuck i forgot about selena fair enough i think yeah. that was like 30 was years ago Agreed. I'm not lying. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. I, I, you're, you, you are correct though. I, I, but it's been a fucking cliff dive since Selena. We can all agree. Yeah. Um, this is a movie where it's like, watch it with your wife in like three sittings. 
and you'll get some enjoyment out of it. All right. So now we're I like 40. That. I'm going to be like, hey, hey, Robin Sparkles, let's watch this together, but three separate times. Yeah, yeah set a timer. I pause. I'm like, all right, well, that was enough time together. I'm going to yeah, leave 35 now. minutes at a time is all we need with this. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. To after I finish it, but I doubt it. All right, on to the last part of our show. Our Do You Even Lift Bruh segment. Without Banner here to do the bird noise to introduce it, uh, I will tell you what it is. We are counting down our top 100 movies of all time. Right now, all of the bros are... We've already passed the top 80. We're going from 100 down, obviously. And Nate and Cycli, we'll let Nate go first. How We do this every episode, but in case we have a new listener... How would you describe these top 100 movie lists? Because as I always say, if you looked up the AFI's top 100, Nate, this is definitely not that or akin to that in any way, right? No, this is going to be a very unique list. Um, and even to your point, yeah, if you go to AFI top 100 or the IMDb top 100, these aren't going to line up at all. We might have a few select movies that are on there that, that cross over for sure. Um, but even amongst the bros on the pod, um, they vary pretty widely. Um, so, I mean, these movies may just be great cinematic features, um, and that's why they're on our list. Or we may have watched them at a time in our life where they meant something a little extra to us and may not have meant as much to some, someone else. So um, wide variety of why these um, why these may be on our list. And I think we've already proven that with some of those in, in the in the top or in the bottom 20 of the 100 um as you've seen so very unique list just unique to us very well said and uh if you go to our website bro4squad.com at the very top of the page you'll see the running google sheet linked with each of the bros respective lists and cycling my mom actually sent me her top 100 movie list of all time last week probably i love that she did that yeah probably inspired by your family taking part in it so Nice. How would you That's describe awesome. these lists as well? It is, I think, like a nice trip down the sort of history of your life and seeing how all of these movies have played uh, either a significant role or just you have a unique memory with each of them, right? Yeah, exactly like Nate said. I mean, I think that's the best thing about it. Like, so I got my family to do it. Um, we talked about it over Thanksgiving and Christmas. And and that's the fun thing. This is not easy to do either. It's um, because it's easy to break down films and like, oh, that won the Oscar. This is that great when I saw it. But to really, you know, compare them to each other and how they make you feel. Um, and again, it is individualized, right? Like we don't need to defend it unless you're Banner because he has a lot to answer for. But <laughs> true. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just it should be unique to you, and it's it's a fun activity, guys. I I think you should if you haven't done it, you and your friends or family members should do it because it's 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 really cool to do. You never really think about it until you're you have to put that pen to paper. Yeah. yeah. And it's not as hard as you would think. Like you start a Google sheet, you put a movie on there. When you think of another one, you throw it in the Google sheet and see, is it better or worse than that one? And then you slot it in and you just go through that process repeatedly as you think of movies. So where we are picking up, uh, Nate, you left off with number your 79th best movie of all time, which was, again, you have helped legitimize our list with some of these classics. You had The Great Dictator from 1940 with the great Charlie Chaplin. Uh, other number 78 movies of all time, just to give you a, a inkling of how the bros lists are different. Cycli has Cool Runnings, the Disney classic. Feel the rhythm. Feel the Banner, has the, <laughs> Banner has the original Kung Fu Panda. 
And I have the Robert Downey Jr. movie, The Judge, at number 78. So what is your number 78 movie of all time? <clears throat> I always like when I come across these, and actually my last one <laughs> was probably the same way. It probably won't be on any other bros list. It might. It could. But um, it's just kind of a random movie to have on here. But I think it's good. Obviously made number 78. But Bad Times at the El Royale. Very nice. 78. Um, yeah, it came out in 2018. Seen this several times. Um, man, I don't know what it is. I mean, I can probably break it down and say what it is, but um, that keeps drawing me back to this. Um, I love the I love the movie set in one setting. Um, they kind of have a aspect of where they show a scene happen from one person's perspective, then come back, so you get to see other glimpses of it. Um, and the cast in this is just great. Anything, um, anything with Jeff Bridges in it, I'm going to love. Um, so he, he's strong in it. John Hamm for his, well, kind of spoilers, short time in the movie <laughs> is good in it. Um, but then the relationship between Jeff Bridges and, um, Cynthia, uh, Arrivo in it, yeah. um, who I, uh, really started loving her in, uh, the outside, the outsider, um, HBO series from a couple years ago. Um, she was really great in that, uh, but she plays Darlene sweet in this. Um, but their relationship in this, as it develops to the, to the story as Jeff Bridges being a fake minister, trying to, uh, recover some stolen cash and her as a, a singer who's just traveling through the area, um, is really great and touching. And they, they, they form a really nice relationship, a unexpected relationship through the movie, um, and they, they really form a great, great bond. And then Chris Hemsworth comes in late in the movie as the cult leader extraordinaire. And he plays that to a T as well. So, I mean, um, he's, uh, like, a a Charles Manson. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think just all the, the casting was great in this. I mean, the characters in and of themselves are great. Um, everyone being in one location, having to interact, um, in such a short period of time, I think the film, there's a few flashbacks and things, but for the most part, the film takes place within mm, 24 hours, um, which is always cool, um, uh, because it's so concise. You have to be very direct with the direction. Um, very direct with that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I was like, uh, it's no, like, like, damn it. I'm going to no, say I know what you're saying. No, no, no. I, yeah. I'm going to say the same thing. You're not the industry. You don't know what he's talking about. Okay. Yeah. Come on. Get off your high horse. Um, but you have to be very direct with the, I was about to say it again with the way the movie flows. Um, but I, I think they do a, a, a great job of it. And like I said, even in the short amount of time that the characters are real time together, there's some cool relationships formed, um, and everything. And Nick Offerman actually makes an appearance in it too, for a short time. He does. I love a movie like this though, where it's like everyone you meet, you don't believe a single fucking thing that they say. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a who done it, but it kind of has that feel um, because you're trying to figure some things out out along the way. Um, the mystery of the whole hotel in general, mm-hmm. um, and there's a whole mystery of what's going on there. And they lead to they lead you kind of down a path, and it's kind of for the audience to decide who exactly was in the film that they're referring to. I won't spoil too much, but mm-hmm. um, that's kind of a a cool aspect of it as well, because you get to participate as the audience and kind of make your own assumptions. I have my own thoughts on that. 
um, just for the time period of, of who it was. Um, but everyone else can kind of let their own mind wonder on that as well. I need to revisit this because I remember, I don't know, were you on the, I, I saw this in theaters and Geiger and I did a review. I, were you on it with us? I don't think so. Mm. Okay. Because this is one where I think it is a conversation piece. Like we need to watch this and have a tumbler of whiskey and discuss it after the fact. And one of the cool things about the hotel, and I don't, maybe I need to do some research to see if this was real. Correct me if I'm wrong. It is built on the border between Nevada and California. Or is it a Mm -hmm. different state? Uh, Nevada and California. So, yeah, like half the rooms are in Nevada, half are in California. So you can gamble on like the right half of the room, but not the left half, right? uh, Well, I mean, it's split. I don't think any of the rooms are split. Like one of the one of the opening (laughs) scenes when they go there, like if you get a hotel on the California side, it's a dollar more than the Nevada side. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen this. You guys have sold me on it. I'm going to watch it. I love it. It's a good one. You oh you would love it, Cycli. Yeah, yeah. You know yep. you that that's intriguing. And yep. Chris Hemsworth is having the time of his life playing a villain. Dude, he you yes that that's a great way of explaining it. He just like gets so into it, and yeah. he is just embodying that role. There's a few flashbacks, and then he's actually um, there at the hotel. I'm trying not to spoil too much, but um, yeah, he just. Like, like I said, the casting in this is, is perfect. Everyone hits the characters to a T. It all comes together so well. Was this a remake? I'm going to list it as 2018 on the Google Sheets, but even though it might not be. I haven't seen the original if there is one. Yeah, nor have I. Yeah. All right, let's each do our number 77 films of all time. Cycli, what is the film that is one slot ahead of Cool Runnings on your list? <laughs> At 77. I love like like I'm going from horror to drama to Disney to like all over the place. It wouldn't so be your list go. if it wasn't like literally. Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, yeah, before Cool Runnings, I had Amelie on there, which I'm like I'm all over the place, guys. Um, so what I okay, I don't think my movie is controversial for being the 78th on my list or um, sorry, 77. 77th. Um, but I'm going to say something controversial and maybe it's not controversial to you guys, um, but at least for the time it was. So my number 77 is the thin red line um, that came out, I believe in 98. Um, same year that Saving Private Ryan came out. Both were nominated for best movie. Saving Private Ryan was a war movie that was about Normandy and the war in Europe. And then Red Line was a movie about the Battle of Guadalajara. And, and Holy the fuck, the cast in this movie. The ca- yeah, I'll get into the cast here in a second. It's oh insane. Um, my controversial statement is this. Saving Private Ryan is extremely overrated. Um, I don't know. Maybe you guys have in your top 100 or not. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I think the love it got in 98 was more because of fluff um i'm not it it, you know when you think of the greatest war movies of all time i don't think people actually talk about saving private ryan but when you mention saving private ryan people i don't really love it i don't know if it's matt can i I tell you something that's gonna make people unsubscribe from our pod yes i have saving private ryan on my list out of 10,000 1068 movies not 10,000 1,068 movies. It's at 662. Thank you. I'm you want to hear what's even worse? It's ahead of Gladiator. And Whoa! Behind, and Pulp Fiction is at 661. 
I oh, you lost me on those two. Like I have, I don't mind where that is listed. I have Air Force Gladiator. One ahead of all three of those movies. <laughs> this is why we said it's unique to you. Um, Sorry to Nate, how do you feel about Saving Private Ryan? Before, um, I mean, it's uh, you saying that it's not as great as other people chalk it up to be isn't striking me in a, a bad way. Um, it's a fine movie. Yeah, I think kind of to your point, it, it may be built up on some fluff. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like when people talk about great war movies, like it really isn't brought up in the conversation much, but people do still hold it to a high acclaim once you say that name of that movie. Yeah, I think it's all the first 20 minutes, the Normandy scene, and then the movie just really just kind of... Yeah, when it first came out, out I, I remember... I was 10 when it came out, but I remember people saying like how realistic that that yeah. was and how I realistic that, that first scene was. And it was so captivating. Um, and I think that really drew people into it. And that's probably what drove the rest of the movie is just the yeah. realist, r- realistic nature of that first scene. And, and you're probably wondering why I'm talking about Saving Private Ryan, uh, because I'm clearly talking about the thin red line being 77. It's because if you, you have to t- understand what happened in the late 90s when these movies came out, Saving Private Ryan was the epitome of a blockbuster. And the thin red line was almost completely ignored. They came out around the same time. And it wasn't ignored because it was a bad movie because it was obviously nominated for best movie, but because of the branding and because of the you know the the story and everything that ha- happened, I don't think enough people have seen the Thin Red Line. I don't think it got at all enough you know notice because of what had it because the complete focus was on Saving Private Ryan. So we had two war movies that came out and one just dominated the airwaves. Um, I think I remember watching the Oscars and being like the thin red line. What's that movie? Another war movie. It was like big bugs life and ants. Like, you're like, why are they making the same two movies at the same time? Like it was kind of dumb. So my point is it was underappreciated at the time. I didn't watch the thin red line until I was in college. Um, it's, it's more, it's not really focused on one person. It's more, um, encore cast like I, I i mean there's sean penn adrian Bodie, jim caviezel ben chaplin george clooney john cusack woody harrelson uh john c Riley, john travolta I, I mean to name a few the movie is ensemble cast it's i think uh, martin scorsese said it was his second favorite film of the 90s so that's Damn. meaningful um the movie to me took an a much more raw and realistic approach to what especially the war in asia was like um i don't know that the story itself is realistic i think that just the what they're showing the soldiers everyday life going through um uh, what that was like for them to be outnumbered by the japanese uh and then to just have to will your way from point to point when almost all hope is lost it's it's a very drawn out just like brutal movie and i don't think it got enough due at all mainly because of saving private ryan so that's the only reason i bring up saving private ryan not to shit on it i'm not saying it's a bad movie i just think it distracted from how good the thin red line is and i think that's why most people haven't seen the thin red line i don't know if you guys have i have not, I have not. yeah so fuck you, Steven Spielberg. Case we'll in go point. see it. Glad someone's here to defend it. Is it still in theaters? Yeah. 
Okay. It's the longest running uh, movie <laughs> of all time. I'll pay you nice. five dollars to ask the a- the worker at the AMC. Yeah. I'll take a ticket to uh, Thin Red Line. <laughs> no, I have it on VHS. Go to the Blockbuster. Solid. All right, I guess I'll close us out uh, with my number seventy-seven film of all time, and right in line. We gotta with get Nate seventy-seven too. We didn't. Oh, my bad, Nate. Why don't you go? I'm sorry. No, that's good. Oh, okay, I'll go. Um, so coming in at seventy-seven, uh, going back to some nostalgia for all of us. I know Cycli will probably have this one way higher on his, um, but. The 1992 classic Disney animated Aladdin coming in. Very nice. Yeah. Cycles cheer me up film. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, this is just one of those that's, it brings back so much nostalgia. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've watched it. I haven't actually, I haven't watched it in a while, but um, there's no need for me to rewatch it recently to know that it ranks this highly on my list. Um, to know that it fucks, you know? Yeah. yeah. It holds up. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Not just I mean, it I has, have as, you know, highly on my list. Yeah. I mean, it has, it has a little bit of everything in it. So, um, rags to riches story. Um, and then music, great musical ensemble. Uh, Robin Williams just, doing an unparalleled voice acting show on, uh, on this that will probably never be replicated again. I know um, when Will Smith tried to reprise it, it <laughs> was, was nowhere close and we knew it wasn't going to be. Um, I respected that he didn't try to be Robin Williams at least. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. But when you have that big of shoes to fill, it, yeah. it's, it's kind of tough. Um, but I mean, just an all around, I mean, great nineties, Disney animated film. I mean, there's not many that rank higher than this. I think it may have a couple in my top 100 that maybe I know one specifically, but um, this is going to be up there for the animated films for for my list. Yeah, I'm interested to see if Cycli or I have it higher because I just double checked it on my list and it's uh, it's respected. We'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah. obviously the songs are iconic too. Yeah, like you said, I would I would pay money. I think there's a supposedly is a tape, or I mean, of, I'm not just a tape, but like of Robin Williams ad libbing, like of the whole movie. Like there's there's versions out there with Robin Williams just like saying different things. I'm like fucking release that. that I would. Oh my god, you know there's so much out there that's so probably just as good, if not better, that. Either it was too much that Disney was like, we can't have you saying that as the genie. So, like, <laughs> you know, I, I would love it if they did, like, uh, some sort of, not you know, director's cut or a Robin Williams cut. Call it whatever. Let me watch that. Yeah. That would be awesome. Just picturing him in the recording booth going fucking ham. God. In the holds board. What a legend. Great pick, Nate. All right, my number 77 is uh, the 2001 comedy classic, Joe Dirt, starring wow. David Spade. Joe Dirte. Oh, yeah. Now There's, I get your quote okay. at the beginning. Yes, there are many great quotes from this movie. Uh, why don't you go practice falling down? I'll be there in a minute. That's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that might be your problem. It's not what you like. It's the consumer. <laughs> Is another, another great one. 
Uh, and I think a, a quote that Cycli always, or sorry, not Cycli, uh, that Geiger always references is the firework stand quote where Joe Dirt is very unimpressed with the <laughs> firework selection. Where he says, you're going to stand there owning a firework stand and tell me you don't have no whistling bungholes, no spleen splitters, whisker biscuits, honky lighters, hoosker do's, hoosker don'ts, hoosker don'ts. cherry bombs, <laughs> nipsy dazers, with or without the scooter tick, or one single whistling kitty chaser. Why are boobs good? <laughs> Why is the moon good? We don't know. It just is. <laughs> it's just incredibly quotable. But I think the thing that I love most is that this film. Okay, so nostalgically, we'll get into the David Spade, Chris Farley relationship on my list a little bit later. But this to me felt like at the time you didn't realize it, but it was like David Spade's his last hurrah sort of he was like look i'm gonna prove to you that i i can be a comedic force without chris farley but after this i'm going back to the ensemble game okay so it really represented his ability because he wrote the script and i think that was always david spade's strength on snl people said he's an incredible writer but on top of that there's a lot of heart to joe dirt that you don't really realize about being like socially ostracized and feeling like a misfit and not knowing what you have to offer, but realizing that like your self-worth is not determined by other people. And I know that it sounds like, wow, Jesus horns, you're like really making Joe Dirt feel like this. Like, I don't think, I don't think I've ever heard Joe Dirt like this. <laughs> but if you go back and rewatch it, like all of the deprecation in the movie Joe Dirt, like his ability to sort of poke fun at himself while other people are like, what's the, my favorite line is uh, not my favorite line, but like Kid Rock's Robbie, like drives his fucking mustang up and like gets dirt in, in joe dirt's eye and he's like you okay dirt joe he goes yeah i'm cool and robbie goes no you're not <laughs> but that's joe's perception of himself right like life goes on he's gonna get through it and you don't realize it at the time but he's a character that uh other characters made fun of and it was humorous at the time but joe's ability to be self-deprecating i think was something that like made the movie work so well that and some incredible christopher walken Oh, yeah. him Fuck, I haven't seen this movie in forever. Him being in witness protection, born and raised, not here, New York. I mean, Kansas. <laughs> Kansas. <laughs> he keeps forgetting he's in witness protection. <laughs> it's like, dude, you have to remember that. Like, it's important. Yeah, I watched this one a, a ton growing up. This was one of those ones that would just be like on FX or TBS or something. Yeah. And it'd be on, and I would just turn it on the TV and kind of skim through it as a as it played. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've probably seen bits and pieces of this 50, 60 times. And it's one that I promise if you go back and rewatch it, you'll fucking crack up constantly. Cycli, is this one that like, what's your thoughts on Joe dirt? Cause I know David Spade, look, it's for David Spade as a solo, I guess artist is maybe a weird word. It's not a fucking album, but like Dickie Roberts child star is horrendous. Everything he's done with the happy Madison crew is pretty fucking bad. This is sort of like the, the an aberration in his career post Chris Farley, I feel like. I, I honestly think and it's funny that you brought it up, and I'm glad it's in your list because I it's probably been 15 years, but I remember loving the movie. Like Nate said, I yeah. it would come on Comedy Central or FX or whatever. And every time it was on, I always like cracked the fuck up. Like now I'm re- like I'm going back now and remembering everything. Yeah. And this shows how underrated it is. I've forgotten about the movie. Like, yeah, I, oh yeah, Joe Dirt, like, but I've never actually like thought about like man that was a really good comedy i need to go back and revisit that so if you haven't seen joe dirt 
go watch it and i'm gonna go back and watch it now too because dude damn it's been too long just google like a joe dirt best quotes and you're gonna start fucking laughing just reading them like christopher walken he's the janitor at the school but he's a former like mafia boss so he's like mopping the floors and he sees his own reflection in the fire extinguisher holder and he just has like he's like reenacting a scene from his previous life and he goes <laughs> you're talking to my guy all wrong it's the wrong tone do it again and i'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron <laughs> i forgot that i'm gonna stab you in the face with a soldering iron i forgot well, that question does your mother so pow get her to sew that He's just like mocking up. Uh, that is good. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad this did make your list, so it can yeah, make me. I haven't even thought this. about it. I'm telling you, it's dumb as fuck. But if you go back and rewatch it, it's like fucking hilarious. Yeah. And that's why, like the the line I quoted from the beginning of the movie is where he finds like that he thinks it's a meteor, but it's just like a conglomerate of like airline shit. Space from, like, turd. Right, and he wheels it into town in like a red rider wagon and goes this is a town meteor town is a place where people beat the shit out of you and make fun of you <laughs> when you said that quote at the beginning of the show i was like what is that from <laughs> and then once you said joe dirt i was like fuck that's joe uh, dirt <laughs> there it is yeah so a little spoiler alert i i told the i don't remember what episode it was i told the fans the opening quotes for every episode that i'm on coming up are going to be from a movie in my top 100 that will be mentioned. Nice episode. Mm, like it. Nice. Nice little insight. Yeah, yeah, just a little inside baseball, you know? A little nugget. All right, we've taken enough of the people's time. Nate, before we let them go for episode 176, closing thoughts, words of wisdom. Um, words of wisdom. Um, make sure you're taking care of your hygiene out there. You know, brush your teeth. Wash behind your ears. Get your get between your toes. Um, Why are you staring at me when you're saying all this? It'll it'll make a difference. I'm just feels staring very, at. In, feels in very space. personal. It no, it's not like... very personal. I'm just <laughs> just trying to make sure everyone is keeping up with their personal hygiene. It's like you know, I actually wait, no, you're, what you huh? said my name though. Did you? <laughs> just anyone else hear that? Cycly, a cycly. We could all be cycly. Unbelievable. We're six hundred miles apart, and I can smell you. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty bad. I don't think I've been getting behind my ears, actually. See? Oh, man. Good reminder. Good reminder. You might get some build up there. I don't know. <laughs> Damn it. I'll have to check on that. <laughs> what are you doing that your behind the ears are getting so dirty is my question. Living. Excuse me for living hard. <laughs> yeah, try living harder. Cycling, sure. can you top that? I, uh, I was going to give a shout out to the Lebanese basketball team uh, for winning Hell the yeah. fucking Arab Cup today. They did? And they beat Tunisia, who was the African champions. Indonesia um, more like suck. Yeah, and so that was a really big deal, um, and oh. especially with FIBA World Cup uh, qualifying starting again next week, it was big for the Lebanese national team uh, to to get that victory, and hopefully make the World Cup uh, and make some noise there. So props to them, dude. That'd be awesome. Let's go. Uh, I can't top that, so I'll just say my typical: please make smart decisions when getting your haircut. Let's not go with a weird hair dye. Let's not go with a fucking perm. Let's not get it too short. As my mom. Why are you looking said, at Nate? Why are you looking at Nate now? Yeah, after Cypher getting... com- complimented my haircut. I, I see where this yeah, is we're... going. <laughs> we're getting very personal with these uh, <laughs> these last tidbits. You're just trying to shift the focus. As my mom always says, you can always cut off more hair, but you can't add any. You know. 
I don't know. Did she actually mask- say that? Masking she tape. She told me that before. That's awesome. I like weird. that. Ooh, masking tape actually might work. It just <laughs> would look totally natural. Too. Yeah. It's yeah. It's see through. I think. It's likely. What's the line from How I Met Your Mother where he's like, "We just need to find a toupee," and the guy's like, "That's a tall order." <laughs> we Usually. thought of Indian headdress before we thought of hat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for the American hero, Nate Thurman, and our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli, I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro4 Squad podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. Follow us on Twitter at Bro4Squad. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, anywhere you find your podcasts. If you type in Bro4Squad as three separate words and check out everything that we do, our squad blog with our top 100 movies of all time and our most recent content on our website bro4squad.com till next time we need to continue to shift the blame to one another we're just infighting tonight i was trying to yeah try to start a blood feud between you guys you haven't made any of you haven't made me mad at cycle so now that's next here's yeah Um, i'm mad at you because i did a favor for you but you would not do a favor for me and so like that is true Mm, got it got it a simple favor (laughs) 